0: Did you know that a male kangaroo is called a boomer? No. Did you know that? Yeah. Okay, boomer. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Hey there, welcome to Motorcycles and news. Coming to you from Recycle Garage... Here in really warm, sunny San Cruz very warm, yeah. It's
0: totally oh tropical. Man.
1: I flew in from Vegas my arms tired. Yes, uh, and it was warmer here when I landed. Warmer here
0: than it was in Vegas. That doesn't surprise me. You know, Vegas can get quite chilly in the uh, autumnal. No, and it was and
1: quite beautiful in the like, 70s there. And maybe 81. It was cooler
2: here than the than nice. City, too.
1: Very nice. And I just wanted to throw out a recommendation that if you're going to Vegas, check out Area 15. I had a blast there. It's, I'm going to say, alternative entertainment in that it's all like VR, surreal no, wait, 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 wait. stuff.
0: So Area 15 and Meow Wolf are different things.
1: Meow Wolf is in Area 15. Oh, Area so 15 at- is like an entire. Complex, I see. Of different kind of mind-blowing uh, uh, virtual. You see, this is
0: where this is where I was confused, Liza, because you said you wanted me to run the garage mm-hmm. um, this week because you would be out in Vegas at Meow Wolf. Yes, but Meow Wolf is an art installation that is part of something much larger.
1: Yes. But it's the size of like a Target store. I mean, it's it's two stories. It's very big. Okay. Maybe oh. not a Target, but it's the size of like it's, it's big. It's expansive. It's it's another virtual, that's not virtual. It's another like dimension. Okay. It's hard to describe. Everything's like distorted and tweaked and warped and But surreal. you can buy
0: you could buy these things.
1: Yeah. So Check out Area 15. It's good, clean, fun, good food, good drinks, good experiences. It's an entire entertainment complex Hmm. uh, with many VR experience, fully immersive VR experiences, stuff like that. Right. It was cool. Okay. Um, Hey, everyone. This is Liza. And yeah, as I said, I was in Vegas, had a good time. Thank you, Miss Emma, for opening the garage. Well,
0: I like. Running the garage, because everyone has to do exactly what I (laughs) say.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And running the board today, it's Stumpy John.
2: What's up, everybody? Hey, I'm uh, here licking the barbecue sauce off my lips from Kansas City.
1: Oh, right. You were out of town, too. I was out of town. Nice. And on the classy girl couch tonight... It's Miss Emma. Hello,
0: darling. Hello. 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 Oh, hello, sweetie. <laughs> so, no, we had a very, very nice time at the garage, and we did lots of many things today. And, uh, a- a w- yes.
1: A- one of the things we did is hang out with Raymond, who joined us. Hey. hey. Raymond. Hey.
0: Raymondo. Ray Ray.
3: Ray, Ray. What Ray, up, Ray, Ray. Ray,
0: Ray. Broken Ray.
3: Yes, like You're all smashed slightly disabled.
0: Up. Yes. We will get to that. and uh, <laughs> Ray, you had your VR experience. Ray yeah, had his getting fully smashed up experience. Yeah, Real time. Yes, in um, real time.
1: <laughs> and then Bagel and Naked Jim should be popping in anytime to join us. But we wanted to get going. Fashionably
0: late, I might oh. add. Yes. Um,
1: I want to just give a quick update. Emma, last week we talked about my rusty tank and ways oh, to God. deal with it. And you had mentioned that you used a wire wheel and welded, like, rods. Yes, exactly. So uh, I work in the hardware industry, so I actually was walking around the hardware store and looking at different types. Yes. Of course, you get all the little um, metal uh, uh, wire wheels in the tool section, but you also have things in the, uh, usually, like, the plumbing section that are for, like, cleaning chimneys. Yes, and... Mm. Cleaning toilets. Right, there's a and, lot of different. And tools. I wanted
0: to stress, as I said last week, this is just step one of step two. You know, you really need to chemically treat the tank mm-hmm, finally. Mm-hmm. But step one, which is what we're talking about right now, is removing we're the loose stuff. Remove and, and as much of the rust as you can. Breaking up that gasoline, that nasty. Mm-hmm. Ethanol residue so that the chemical can do its stuff. So, yeah, I went around the hardware
1: stores I was at just to see all the different options and what would be the best option. Y'all. And what I found to be the best option was something I already had in the shop. But digging through my tools, as I was looking for more like wire brushes and stuff, I forgot that I have a flexible extension uh, shaft for a, a Dremel tool.
0: Mm. I thought you were going to say something. Yeah, oh, me no. too. I've seen mm-hmm. that flexible
2: mm-hmm. shaft you have in the mm-hmm. garage. Yeah, uh, you might get your picture taken with it.
1: Yeah, um, and this uh, goes into the end of the Dremel and just gives you a flexible, um, yeah, shaft to use. And then I put the my favorite 3M wheel on the end. These 3M wheels are great, and I've used them a lot of times in restoration. Um, it's a, it's a, uh, I call it just a 3M wheel, but it's really it's it's a do Dremel you know what, accessory. Do you know
0: what 3M stands for?
1: Three meters of, nope, I don't.
0: Minnesota Minerals and Mining. Oh, good one. Oh.
1: Good one. I remember years ago when we'd had a call 3M because my company bought something from them. And it's like you would get uh, for Velcro and adhesives, uh, hit number one. <laughs> for signs and uh, you know graphics, hit number two for space and nuclear hit number three <laughs> it Ooh, was like crazy like crazy <laughs> things anyway um so these 3m wheels um that i love as i said i've used them a lot because they don't hurt the metal at all hello yes. bagel but they can take a lot of hello stuff off Lee. hey bagel hey,
3: we bagel. started without you oh, um, okay are these like the spongy looking ones
1: uh yeah it looks like like you yeah. yeah, yeah, i a wouldn't spongy.
3: say i wouldn't
0: say bagel spongy looking <laughs> <laughs>
1: um the the goods the the pros of these 3m wheels is that they don't do any damage or scrapes or anything in the metal. they're pretty small get in a lot of spaces but the downside is they dissolve pretty quickly yes yeah um you have to buy multiple ones i remember i did a a bmw r80 um hub because i had taken the Uh, spokes off you know the hub has those ridges like down the middle. And it it took me about 20 of those to completely strip and clean that hub to bare metal. But um, anyway, um, so I just put that 3M pad in there, shoved that flexible shaft down in there and just kind of poked it all around. And Emma, I showed you. What do you think?
0: It looks great. Yeah. And you're going to finish that off with the uh, chemical etching? It's going to look like a brand new tank in there? Yeah, just remove as much of the
1: top, the surface rust, and then do the... Um, which one you said the the
0: metal rescue? I am a great fan. If you'd have talked to me ten years ago, I would have said the Yamaha own brand stuff. But like most stuff that the public can buy, it's kind of been watered down a bit. So I don't like the Yamaha stuff anymore. Um, but the Metal Rescue seems to work very very well indeed. The thing I like about the metal rescue is it's completely harmless when you're done with it just pour it down the drain. You know there's no chemicals in it at all. It's entirely a chemical reaction. It's completely you could probably drink it. I wouldn't recommend oh, let's it. Try it. Oh. But it's it's completely safe which is very very nice. And it just seems to eat up the rust. Right. It's quite expensive. Mm-hmm. It's about um I think one site's thirty bucks for a gallon. It's worth it to save a tank. But you know, you're saving a tank. Yeah, and you got cocktails afterwards. Yes, <laughs> yes, you have nice rusty. Well, cocktails. just the <laughs>
1: the amount of time I've taken the carbs off to clean them each time. Right, I'd gladly yeah. <laughs> made thirty bucks and to be done with. it. You
0: know, helmet. funnily enough, I'm doing exactly the same job at work right now on a Suzuki GT550 tank, and I mentioned this bike mm-hmm. last week. It came into me. It's a seventy-three. It's a year one with a big drum brake on the front. Gorgeous bike in the factory gold. Seven hundred miles from you. Is this wow. bike related to the Water Buffalo? It's like the Water Buffalo's <coughs> smaller sister. Yeah. Okay. But and you know, it, funnily enough, there were three. These were the these were the three flagship bikes that Suzuki brought out the Grand Touring range, and they all when came out together. And there was the Water Buffalo, the seven fifty the 550 and the 380. And they were all slightly different. They all had things going for them. But unfortunately, the 550 seemed to get the least love of all. Mm -hmm. Um, Is it air-cooled? Yes. The Buffalo, of course, was liquid-cooled. Right. And the 380 had a six-speed transmission. And the poor old 550 with just a five-speed transmission with air-cooling, ostensibly a very simple bike. But... They seem to be the most favoured now. 550s are fetching big money now. Hmm. Um, And particularly the very early ones with the drum brake. which is a glorious piece of engineering. Um, But this one, the tank, it's good and bad news for the owner. And he's probably listening to this right now because I haven't called him yet. And the tank I'm going to manage to save. But all the crank seals are done. Mm -hmm. So he's going to need an engine rebuild. So, you know, and we kind of – you always kind of prepare people for that and say, now, look, this is a two-stroke. Just because it's got no miles on it, just because the engine turns over freely and just because it's got compression doesn't mean you're out of the woods.
1: Yeah, but to me that's best-case scenario because any bike that age, you're going to want to do – replace a lot of that stuff. If you're making a bike to last Mm – but there's no damage to the
0: engine, so you're not having no, to replace but, I mean, unobtainium bits. No, no. The seals are easily available yeah. and brand new. Suzuki make them brand new as yeah. part of the heritage program. So it sounds program. like best case scenario. But you have to press the crank apart. Mm, and no. I used to do that back in the old days, but now I just ship everything out to It'll be good Minnesota. as new when you're done. It'll, in a lot of cases, it'll be better than new yeah. because the materials now that the crank seals are made out of... Are better and the design's more durable, and Suzuki have updated it. So you know it's it's of course it's worth it. But it, you know, it would have been nice to have that c- Cinderella ending where you oh. put fresh fuel in the battery and it thing starts up and you ride into the sunset. It you ain't mean, gonna be n- that. You
1: ending. mean a Cinderella ending? <laughs> exactly <laughs> nice. what I meant. <laughs> that, <laughs> nicely done, Liza. Thank you.
0: Um, I think probably Phil will wanna write though. He's probably writing <laughs> that one down. Yeah, oh, we, no.
1: uh, we gotta we I, love I think those guys. that's our next movie, Cylinderella story.
0: <laughs> she Ooh. dropped her cylinder on the way back from the ball.
1: <laughs> oh, we're gonna come up with that. Um Emma, you ran the garage today. Anything good come
0: in? Oh lots of bits and pieces. I'm often struck by the fact that the simplest job. On the simplest bike, can often take the most time, and this was actually shown today. Um, we had a, a darling little um, Vespa ET 4150 hundred and fifty coming. Cute in. little bike for sure. Absolutely well, that, cute little bike, isn't it? A little darling bagel. However, to change bikes. to change the sparkling plug, you need to be something mm. of a contortionist, <laughs> and yep. um, the rule I use is generally the best spark plug tool for any bike is the one that comes in the toolkit. And it's perfectly exhibited by the ET4. And the girl didn't know even if it had a toolkit. So we opened the seat, and there was the little box with the tools in it. And lo and behold, it had never been opened. And there was the spark plug wrench. And without that wrench, I don't think we could have done the job. Because it's just so inhospitable Mm -hmm. to get to that spark plug. Everything's in the way.
4: Yeah, it's in a very difficult spot and uh, not a lot of room around it to get to it.
0: You know, and the prospect for cross-threading it is high when you put it back in. That's the only part of the job I did. I said, look, I'm going to start this for you because... You know, you're working. You're basically working blind, and you need very long, thin, thin, thin fingers, which I don't possess. Um, I'd make a fantastic bass player because my <laughs> fingers are very fat and short. And dum dum dum. But I said, look, I'm going to start this off for you, and then you can kind of finish it up, and you can do it finger tight, and then give it a couple of wangs with the uh, with a plug wrench. And God, what a job, you know. But Hey, it is what it is. I'm almost thinking, Bagel. It would be mm-hmm. easier if it was if we did kind of a complete service and pulled the the cam cover off and did the valve clearances at the same time, and just give you that tiny bit more room under there.
4: Well, and, and I think you can also drop the the rear shock,
0: can't you? To, oh, to get and more kind of in yeah, and maybe yeah. just expose. Because yeah
4: and, and and you might need to do that anyway to get at the cam so
0: yeah you know there's all these little tricks but um you know it's funny when i when i worked at the dealership me and the other mechanic had very very different styles of how we used to work on things and whenever i had a scooter in for engine work he would always leave the engine in the frame and kind of work with it in the frame and i used to just take the engine out I'd rather, I'd, I'd want the whole engine on the bench, I'd just lift the bike off the engine, put it to one side, do what I had to do on the engine, and then drop it back on. Um, and I think in terms of time, there was very little difference between the two techniques, when you total up the time. I think it's a case of what you're more comfortable doing. But I always liked having the engine right there, completely exposed. I'm not talking about valve clearances, I'm talking about if you're doing, obviously, a crank, But if you're doing a piston and rings or doing a valve job on it, get the engine out. Made sense to me.
1: Well, I have to admit, um, Scotty was here on her um, slightly modified SV650. Thing. Which I am a sucker for big block tires on a street bike. Yeah, It's SV650 Mm -hmm. with a brat seat, which, but still. um, And then just kind of like... I think like dirt bars. Yeah, they were kind of
0: dirty bars. Somebody yeah. drilled through the top tri- triple tree yeah. so you could have normal clamps yep. and then some sort of like dirt pro tapers. Yeah. Rear sets, which is a riding position a I like. Yeah, it's got rear sets on it. Wow. So you're, it, it's, um, you rode my Goosey, didn't you? Did you ever ride no. the Goosey? Goosey was what I call the Spider-Man crouch, yeah. <laughs> which is, you know, you're kind of up... And your legs are, your knees are high with your feet behind you. I love that riding position. Oh, God. Oh, God. It's brilliant. I, it's I, Spider-Man I'm just, Yeah, I'm a
1: sucker for dirt tires on street and then, yeah, It looked cool.
0: TKC 80s yeah. on 17-inch wheels. Very chunky.
1: Yeah. I Very, mean, it wasn't like a well-done modded bike. It was just chopped and, you know, it wasn't well-finished. But it just looked fun. I want I to think, get on and ride it. I yeah.
0: think you've just upset Scotty.
1: No, I'm saying it's not like a show bike. It's just a fun bike, and I, I like that. I like seeing a bike like that chopped up.
0: We take that
2: to Hollister and see what happens. Well, <laughs> I, death and destruction. <laughs> yeah. I
1: do. I want to. I want to take it in the dirt and have fun. But I well, don't if know. if
0: you remember McCarthy, a uh, part time misfit, yeah. was running TKC 80s on his, his DRZ 400. Yeah. Mm. With the 17-inch front wheel, because he, he had a DRZ 400 SM. And he said it was terrible in the dirt. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> because you need you need that big 21-inch yeah, 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 narrow hoop, too small. you know, to, to kind of glide over. And it's very rough riding 17-inch. So they look great. You know, that sort of burly. Yeah. But in reality, in the dirt, it's terrible. It digs in uh. and, does everything you don't want it to do.
1: Let me ask you, Raymond. You saw that bike.
0: Which one? No, I didn't. Oh, you didn't see it? No.
3: No, it was before. Would you
1: take something like that on on an off-road adventure?
3: No way. What? Clearance. No clearance. No clearance, Clarence. Yeah.
1: Well, from (laughs) what I hear, even the perfect bike (laughs) for an (laughs) off-road adventure ain't so great (laughs) either. (laughs)
3: Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Even with good clearance, you're not out of the woods yet.
1: Uh, Raymond, what happened? You've got a you're knee brace all, on. You're all
0: smashed.
1: You're, you're right kind of limping.
3: I am. I am limping. I am. Limping. I just came back from uh, from a, a ride or a tour in Mexico, and uh, <clears throat> it was cut very short. So. Uh, uh, on the second day pretty much um, how
1: long was the tour supposed to be eight days okay it
3: was an eight-day tour and on the second day was it the second or the third day i think it was the second day um somehow we ended i was supposed to be a 130 mile day in the dirt and the dirt turned out to be a little bit more of a challenge than than and what I was led to believe. And what were you riding? I was riding my twelve hundred GS yes Adventure, mm-hmm. loaded with luggage. And
0: what w- what condition would you say your twelve hundred GS yes Adventure is in now?
3: Uh, is it, w- it totaled? It might be totaled. There you go. I am waiting I to think hear back. I think, no. I am waiting to hear back. I'm, I'm hoping it's not, but, you know, the possibility is right. It's there.
1: So you brought up a question, and yeah. we're going to get into this and, and try and be fair. So you went on a tour, and um, you, you said it was somewhat disastrous. And it brings up the question. The question you had was, what what responsibility do people have who uh, who put on a tour? And so let's hear about your experience, and then we'll get into it because Emma and I have somewhat different different views. Well, and he's talking
2: about a tour, not a group ride.
3: Exactly. No, it's it's a paid tour, paid tour. And
1: you're
0: you're wrong, and I'm right.
3: (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) So so here's the deal. So I've and we'll talk. I'll talk about that a little bit later. I've been on many many tours. This is not the first one, Uh and I and I've been to Baja. Three or four times already on a big bike, on a small bike. Uh, So I wasn't going there you know, completely a uh, b- beginner. Um, and my riding skills are not great. I maybe rate myself an intermediate rider.
1: Hold on. Uh, You've taken Jocelyn's class I've how many times? I've taken Jocelyn's
3: class once, but I've taken okay. other classes. I've.
1: You uh, are somebody who goes to give yourself those extra tools and take classes. Yeah, absolutely. So that's something I do appreciate in a rider yeah. who does what they can to give them the tools.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, I believe in training. I mean, uh, but I also I'm, I'm cognizant enough to realize that sometimes you know your skills might not be no matter how much training you get mm-hmm. you know maybe your talent is not right there and you know I'm you know on the older side and the age spectrum and I'm I'm not in good shape so uh, I you think know, you're that's... in wonderful shape. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, John. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we're gonna be riding together in yeah. Pakistan. <laughs> so anyway, so. From the from the get go, I think there was a, the, the the tour guide leader, uh, somebody who's very well known, and I've been following him, so I had no reason to expect anything different than what I've been used to.
1: I don't want to be clear. We're not going to call them out on. Yeah, this. no, no, we're, we're, not, we're asking we're not the bigger question. Yeah, exactly, here. Okay.
3: exactly. Um, and so I I thought I did my due diligence by asking both guides uh, whether I should bring my GS or bring my six ninety, which. You know, normally I tend to bring uh, when I think there's going to be challenging terrain.
1: Oh, uh, remind me, I have something in the garage you may
3: want. Oh, that's good. Okay. Somebody
1: um, came Training by wheels. and donated. <laughs> okay. Six ninety enduro seat. Ooh, it's a okay. custom wide. Really? A oh custom God. wide. Okay. No, I'm insane. Custom wide okay. seat. <laughs> well,
0: that, you, that you might actually yeah.
1: really like it. It yeah. looks glad- uh,
0: lighter. Are you insinuating that, Raymond? Yeah, right? yeah I don't? know. I'm, I'm not insinuating guy. at
1: all. I'm Big upsetting. ass. <laughs> Raymond, think, you got a big ass. I, you might like this. Yeah, scene. yeah. I'm Again, sorry. his ass is
3: perfect as <laughs> far yeah, as yeah, I'm yeah. concerned. <laughs> it's just. It couldn't get any better. It's nice and tight.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, so you have anyway. you have a 690 you could bring. I, yeah,
3: so I had a 690 I could bring. And I, I asked the question. I said, you know, what what should I bring? And both answers were. You know, you don't need to bring the 690. This is a, a big bike-friendly trip. Uh, it's going to be mostly hard pack. We might hit some sand. Uh, so, not a problem. So, I decided to bring the GS. It was supp- The tour was supposed to be about 2,000 miles with, you know, 1,600 pavement and 400 mile uh, in the dirt. So, I thought, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of makes sense. You know, if we're going to be spending most of it on the pavement, then better get the, the more comfortable uh, motorcycle. Um. So yeah, the first couple of days, like I said, was where we were on the pavement. Everything was fine, not a big deal. And then that day was supposed to be a long day, 130 miles uh, in the dirt, uh, which should have been a sign for me because that's a lot of dirt in one day. Um, and it started being not a big deal. It was hard pack. It was very rocky. Not a problem. Um, I had put I had brand new tires, Midas tires, on them, and I and I aired them down to 31. PSI just because I was concerned about the rocks and I didn't want to bend Only the rim. Only 31? Yeah, because again, it was very rocky. So I didn't want to, mm. I wanted to make sure that, you know, I wouldn't bend the rim. You know, that that actually happens quite a bit in Baja. Hmm, okay. uh, and so, um, so we hit it, you know, we're going at a good clip. I think it was fine. And about 60 miles, um, we went into a corner and then there was a deep sand wash there. Um, and the front end just went bonkers. You That's know? my nightmare, just so you yeah, know. Yeah. So, I, and all I remember is like seeing the bike lean way over on one side, then on the other side. And uh-huh. I'm thinking, you know, I, I should gas it so that I can get out of this. And I tried to gas it, but it went into this crazy tank slapper and basically just spit me out. Oh, man.
1: Did you do the Jocelyn butt jiggle?
3: No, no I was like <laughs> no. yeah, I was so freaked out, <laughs> yeah so anyway, so I mean, I was fine, you know i I got up from under it, waited for uh whoever was in the uh in the sweep to to come and uh and help me get the bike up. Cause I couldn't get it up, even though i practiced many times with <laughs> the whole butt against the seat thing, but at that time i uh i it was, i didn't have it in me uh. And it turned out that the the subframe was tweaked, and the and the forks were a little bit tweaked as well. So we fixed the forks a little bit. Uh, and the one thing that that was strange is that on the when we were on the pavement, the 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 lead guide was sweeping. Uh, but once we get in the dirt, uh, he just said that he wanted to you know sort of enjoy the ride, do his own ride, and he wanted to go up in the front. And and I got a little bit concerned because. I thought that nobody was going to sweep. Luckily, the second guy kind of felt bad and said, okay, I'll I'll take the sweep position. Mm -hmm. And so he was coming behind.
2: I don't understand their reasoning for not having somebody sweep. I I know what you said, but it's like you always
3: want somebody to sweep. Yeah, you know, it's weird. I mean, the weird thing about this tour, which was different, what I'm used to is that, a lot of them kind of knew each other and were friends, and so it felt more like a group ride than like a, a guided tour. Right. That was the, the one thing that that sort of I was struggling with. Um, anyway, so I, I go up on the on the bike again, and then I we ride again. Remember, now we're half, you know, we're midday, and it was like one o'clock or something. I was getting it was hot, and I was going through my water like crazy uh and we start writing again and i start feeling a little bit oops sorry lisa, lisa yeah
1: oh no you, you didn't have to stop then. i was just gonna say and jim has joined us oh.
3: hey what's happening
1: <laughs> um yeah, So i wanted to make sure oh, in case no he snuck in so um and and i wanted to say too um to answer the question why would a sweep go to the front i i have encountered this kind of situation before in that when there's a uh, group members that are so far ahead that you may have to get ahead of them to stop them to like hold the group or b- to make a turn or to like hey let's let's break stop for lunch to communicate yeah because yeah. it's hard you can't c- really communicate most people aren't on on helmet cams on the uh, but helmet
3: conference this yeah. so just throwing, that, just throwing that, that out as a potential but we had reason. we had a, yeah. a leader we had a, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a who was in the front originally and he's the one who decided Uh, to sweep at the end, you know, when when that happens. All right. um, So So, anyway, so... So you picked your bike up, dusted yourself off. The first first crash, usually you can sort of get over, and it's not a big deal, you know. But I'm riding again, and I'm starting to feel a little bit more comfortable. So I decided, okay, let's go, you know, 35 miles per hour. I mean, there was only four of us who were sort of... I would say, beginner-intermediate skills. The rest of the riders were pretty amazing, actually. And they were on big bikes, and they were just flying through the sand. It was, it was uh, unbelievable. Uh, anyway, so 20 miles in, again, I hit uh, a long stretch of sand. And again, I lose my front end. Ugh. And this time, the bike fells on my knee. Oh. Um, and so I extricate myself from under it. Uh, waited for uh, the, again, the, the sweep. <laughs> I
5: love the term extricate. <laughs> it's not like I got up, it's like I had to extricate. You yeah, know, I had, <laughs> and I don't doubt that at all. I don't doubt oh, that. We're at all. Oh, we're passing
1: notes. I know what it says, dude. I'm going to get in trouble.
2: You know, the teacher used to grab the note and read yeah, it in front yeah. of the whole <gasps> class.
5: Okay, it says, uh, Naked Jim from Emma. <laughs> I have learned to breathe through my nose. Would you like to go have coffee later? Wow. That's not what
0: it says. Exactly,
5: <laughs> I couldn't have put it better myself.
1: All right, so are you feeling any pain
3: now? I am. Uh, the when I f- <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: when I fell, it wasn't. I didn't feel the pain, but obviously I was shaking. You know, it was the second the well, second fall. The, the and
0: adrenaline and, probably yeah, in, and yeah. you know, it's a, adrenaline's a powerful drug. Yeah. So I waited in
3: Thank the shade God. until you know the other guy joined, and um, uh, well, two guys were behind me at that point.
1: I have one question. Yeah. Did you have a sandwich in your pocket?
3: No sandwich.
1: Okay, because that makes it harder to do yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you have a sandwich in your pocket, we we know that you're prepared for an adventure. Properly yeah, I prepared. Had,
3: I had uh, power bars in the tank bag. Okay. That's yeah, close, that's, yeah. That's, that I think yeah.
1: that's the BMW version <laughs> yeah. of a sandwich in the pocket
5: Yeah, there it is. Not is. Yeah, <laughs> two-stroke is Wonder Bread and bologna. Uh, yeah,
3: yeah, okay. And, and no, white man. No, All
1: not. right. So, and your bike, how's it looking at
3: this point? So at that, and then we noticed at that point, we hadn't noticed that the subframe was bent in the first crash. We noticed it at the second crash. Um, and so anyway, so, but I thought it was rideable, you know, I mean. So wait,
1: your subframe's bent, but the boxes survived? There wasn't a yard sale? So
3: I had uh, softbacks. I had, oh, good call, good call. I had the reckless 80s. Yeah, good call, yeah. Yeah. You know. So you know, so I'm resting in the shade as much as possible. Then you know, so and it was a lot of side by sides and smaller bikes because they were all prepping, you know, for uh, for the, the race, and they were all sort of kind of shocked that uh, that we were on such big bikes on that trail. So, any case, so uh, so after a while, I figured, okay, well, I mean, we were only like two miles from where the rest of the the group was. We were supposed to to wait at the intersection uh i tried i hop up on the bike and there was no way for me to put my foot under the the gear lever there was something it was a weird feeling it felt like it was disconnected felt like it was wobbling on its own and that was a weird feeling because i was no pain i'm like okay why can't i shift gears (laughs) you know it's like i don't feel Mm -hmm. any pain i can walk on it but as soon as i sit on the on the seat and try to like put my foot under the foot peg nothing happens so, we, get, we send one of the guys who had arrived, uh, a poor guy, because he was also one of us, the slow riders, who was also freaked out. He was a shorter guy on a JS adventure also. And he had to ride by himself the two miles in the sand to get to the to the group. And they came back. One guy rode my bike, and I rode behind the the team leader, uh, which was pretty amazing. I closed my eyes the whole time. I mean, he rode. I'm a pretty heavy guy. So, he rode with me in the back, you know, full on in the sand. Um and you've
1: got about like thirty-two Clearwater lights on that bike. You could probably did.
3: light the sky I, I up. I know, and one of them <laughs> is busted. Actually, <laughs> yeah. ah. thanks, Liza. <laughs> so, so anyway, so we make it to the intersection. I guess one of the guides had uh, called. Um, there were only two ranches in that area. We're in the middle of nowhere, mm. and one of the ranches, I guess, one of the owners at the pickup truck, so they called him. He came out. Uh, he came, put the bike on the on the pickup truck. And, uh, and we left, you know, I was in the pickup and the other guys left. And I was like, so thankful that I was in the pickup truck because the trail got so much worse. uh, It was amazing how much sand was in those trails. And the guys were falling everywhere. One of the guys fell, broke two of his ribs, broke the the clutch lever on his, on his triumph. Um, And anyway, so we we had we went by them because the truck could handle the sand a lot better, and we ended up in the uh, in that ranch where we were supposed to spend the night. Uh, so at that point, I had to make a decision. You know, mm-hmm. do I do I stick it out or do I just bail? Uh, luckily, I had uh, signed up for insurance and towing insurance, uh, and luckily that that ranch had Wi Fi because oh, well, there's no way there was no cell phone service, so. Um, I mean, the guys and the tour were kind of like, "Can you can you shift with your heel?" <laughs> and I'm like, "No," because you know my my knee is pretty busted, and uh, I'm not sure I want to fall on it again because right. I think that would be not yeah. a very smart decision. Um, and I was a little bit concerned that there wasn't um, an eagerness to help to mm-hmm. put it, you know, in terms of like. I had to kind of go and ask for one of the guys to come in and help me with the translations because you know I'm calling the insurance. There's a Spanish insurance. I can manage a little bit of Spanish, but not with complicated situation like this. Plus, the Wi-Fi was not very strong, so the call kept dropping. And um, the other guy with the with the broken ribs, you know, they sort of jerry-rigged his uh, his clutch lever with a vice grip, and he decided that he's going to try it next morning to see if he could ride uh, I made the decision that it was too risky and I, I kept going on the bike to see Mm -hmm. if I could change, uh, the, the gears. And I, I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't, and, but I had to decide if I would, was going to ask the tow truck to come the next day. And I was like, okay, what if I wake up the next day and I can actually ride, you know, but then I decided let let's play it safe. And, uh, you know well, and i decided to call the total i like
1: to point out that both of these are good cases for the africa twin
3: dct <laughs>
1: <laughs> no that clutch lever no shit that
3: is true that is very true
5: but my god all that weight up high and you find yourself <sighs> in deep sand good luck with your dct yeah, so
3: so to that point do you think that the 690 would have been much better oh there was no doubt i mean i I don't know that I've done this deep sand on the 690, but I've done deep sand in Moab. I've done deep sand in Mojave uh, with the 690. And, it, you know, it wasn't a problem. I, I, sand was always my nemesis, but I had gotten to a point with the 690 where I felt comfortable in mm-hmm. it. And I thought, oh, maybe I've overcome that. And and to just...
5: Well, all of, all of a sudden you you threw 200 pounds Right. Yeah. on you know right on your right. lap yeah and that makes i mean i just spent four days in plus the deep gear sand and i'm like yeah. the idea of an adventure bike in deep sand is is just seems uh, yeah. i ran to some guys oddly yeah. enough came out they were on adventure bikes they're like oh could you do an adventure bike and i was like if i was an adventure bike where i was like an hour ago i would be sitting on it crying
3: at the moment <laughs> <laughs> oh you know the thought occurred to me yeah the, for sure the, the <laughs>
5: sand on an adventure bike just has just is brutal
3: well I th- and i think i think there's the dilemma i mean so those sort of the What you're told is that in the sand, you know, gas it up, you know, crank it up and accelerate. Uh, And I guess it makes some sense because you want to ride on top of the sand. But when you're in a big bike like the GS and you accelerate, if any slight mistake and the crash is going to be That much worse. No, yeah. Well, you know, know, you're not going to be, it's going to be unforgivable. Well, and the
5: the answer is speed, right? Because you get on the throttle and that is the answer. The problem is once you're going 45. Yeah. You don't really want to go much faster, so you're, you're all of a sudden when you're hauling ass at that speed in the sand, your options become really limited, really fast. Exactly, right? right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah.
3: And so that's what happened with the second with the second time is that there was a, a rock in the middle of the rut. So I was trying to follow the rut in the sand, and I tried to avoid it, and I hit the side of the rut, and that's <laughs> what you know made me. And I think with the six ninety, that probably wouldn't have happened. I probably would have been able to go over without uh, without problems. But with the nineteen inch in the front, you know that just was the that so. Was it.
1: This raises some questions. Yeah, um, talking about the responsibility of a, a,
0: you know a tour company.
1: Yeah, uh, it'd be interesting to get Cat's opinion on this.
0: You know, well, I I know but, exactly <clears throat> I know exactly where Cat would sit on this. Oh, I, I, I know I, exactly think so, too. where he would.
1: Um, you know what is a responsibility to? I, I mean, like. Am I mean, you you're a strong believer that you get your people from point A to B safely.
0: Well, as you know, yeah, I I've been a tour guide, I've been a tour bus driver, and it's slightly different because if you're driving a tour bus, especially if you're driving a tour bus on a mountain road, everyone's relying on you to get them safely. Mm-hmm. And I mean, ultimately, you could kill fifty five people, including your bloody self, and we d- really don't want to do things like that. However, My opinion is this, Raymond wasn't on a tour. He was on a group ride that somebody decided they were going to pitch as a tour. He was on a group ride of a very skilled rider and all his friends who at some stage, probably a couple of years in the past, said, this is great fun. Rather than let's invite some people, let's charge money for that. And when he laid over his money, and you're not talking about a small amount of money, everything changes. Absolutely everything changes. You were on a group ride of a guy and his buddies.
3: Well, I mean, yeah. And I you mean, to should some extent, have been... To some extent. I, to every extent. Know. I mean... I I think the buddies were also paying customers, so... uh,
5: Yeah, but nevertheless... Well, Well, at the end of the day, if you have an issue, there should be a sweep that picks you up, takes you to a hotel, you have dinner, and you sit in the morning. Yeah, but
2: arguably they did that, though. They got him to the the ranch. Yeah, exactly. And they got him to Wi-Fi where he could call a tow truck. That's true. They do have responsibility as a business to take the other people forward. So
1: here's my argument, is that it's an adventure ride. Now, maybe Bagel will join me on this, because even though he was on a scooter... Tour, it was still an adventure ride. And for the that type of riding, we're not always taking the south safe route and we don't always know what the road ahead has. There might be the road might be washed out, landslides, water crossings whatever. Um, to me that adds to it. The fact that Bagel got to go over a collapsed bridge, I'm like, oh, I wish I got to do that <laughs> or that a previous tour got to go over an active landslide as it was moving. I'm like, oh, yeah. I wish I did that.
3: But I think but, here is the, so.
1: For me, I yeah. I hear oh, it was an adventure, and that's part
3: of the risk you take. Absolutely, but but here's the point. I think there is pressure on these tour operators mm-hmm. to fill out their groups, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, because that's how they make the money, and and that pressure makes it that a lot of the time they either don't vet the riders properly. So they bring over people who had probably no business being on trails like this you know and the second one is sometimes they don't exactly tell you the extent of the difficulty of the trail because well, they it don't should want a a to with the Baja thousand right well that wasn't mentioned Wow oh. so that wasn't mentioned well that, that
5: that's what I'm curious like how did they market it because if you you've ridden in Mojave you've taken Jocelyn's course so you're yeah. no stranger to big bikes and difficult terrain. So I'm curious, like, was the marketing accurate? Because I, and at the end of the day, if I'm going to Mojave, I know I'm going to be in some deep sand. And I and I and and if I'm going to bring my, my adventure bike, I better have my shit sorted out in the sand if I'm going to go on a ride. Mm-hmm. That's what, depending on how, unless they market it as, hey, learn how to ride Baja in the sand. But if they're like, hey, this is a Baja adventure tour, you know, to a certain extent, yeah, you better have a sand game to bring to that, right? Well, well-
1: and the okay. other thing too on an adventure tour you're going places that cars are not always able to be there. Mm. So you don't always have the option of having a cush ride. Yeah, bagel.
4: Yeah, and I, I think when well, and I don't know was was there anything agreed to beforehand about like support and uh any sort of like like for emergency uh, uh circumstances like did they have anything in writing or was there anything agreed upon beforehand? Because I think that would uh, it would come down on how the tour is organized and what sort of expectations are set in the first place. So, yeah. Um, so
3: there the there was nothing like that agreed on. Okay. And I think part of the issue was the communication was a little bit lacking. So mm-hmm. it was a Facebook post, and I knew the guy because, like I said, I've been following him on Facebook. And you sort of sign up through you know Facebook. And then the second guide uh, sends an email with a with a tour description. Uh, you know like day one, yeah. we do this, day two, we do that. Uh, but nowhere in there w- was like uh, something that would have led me to believe that it was going to be very challenging.
5: Did, did they uh, give you go, a route like you're going to go from you know La Paz to some other place? Yes. Where you could, so you yes. could have Google mapped it and like seen what you were in for. Right? Yes.
3: And they also they also gave us a GPX uh, tracks. So I had the GPX tracks, but you know those I only loaded like the night before.
0: But you uh, see, here's the other side of it. This is all very well for a group ride. This is great for a group ride. Hey, let's go for a ride with our mate. When he slapped down multiple thousands of dollars, that is a contract. It is a contract. And if you're pitching yourself as a legitimate tour operator, just as I pitch myself as a legitimate motorcycle shop, if I fix your bike and you ride it away from me and get hurt on it, and it's something that I was either directly involved in, i.e. I just did the brakes, and now the calipers fell off, and that has happened to somebody in this, you know, a misfit, not at my shop, but at another mm-hmm. shop, yep. or peripherally involved. Here's the thing, legally, if a bike comes into me for a chain and sprocket. I'm working on the back end of the bike. That's all the guy wants. I only want the chain and sprocket done. Meanwhile, the front brake pads are worn out. And he leaves my shop, car out of him, grabs the front brake, he wads up because the brake pads are worn out and he crashes. Whose fault is it? Mine. Because it... When it's you just the pay, way it is, right? It is the way it is. When you paid that money, that is a contract, and it's largely to keep you safe. And there's a difference between challenging terrain and unsafe terrain. And I think there wasn't full disclosure. I go back to what I said. This is a group ride with an enthusiast and some of his mates, whether they were paying or not. And... I think the fact that every single person who wasn't in that immediate group of mates crashed and crashed fairly hard is extremely telling on how that group was run. I'm sorry, you know, but yeah. I he's borderline neg- negligent. Absol- I'm not even going to say borderline. I think he was negligent.
1: So uh, I'm going to piggyback on that because, uh, and you telling the story, the only thing that I heard that gave me some uh, pause. Is mm-hmm. that you said it was like 130 miles? Yeah, it, it was an arduous day. Yes, definitely. Um, that people had to push to go on. Yeah. I can tell you from my own experience, uh, because uh, I mean, I I'm learning as I go too, doing the the Chikistan tours. And on our last tour, we had a day set up and uh, talked with Moyne and and said. Don't think we're going to be able to make that distance based upon how people are riding. And that day, he called ahead and booked like the only two hotels yeah, in yeah, the whole yeah, town. Yeah, yeah. And so we we changed up we we so that we could uh, ride less. Yeah. And 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 then make up for it where we knew it was safer yeah. because we we're doing yeah. a hard road. So that is something that and, and talking about Emma, um, you know, making sure you're safe. There are things that. I think could have been done better, um, having more communication about what to expect. But also on the Chikistan tour, if somebody is not up to riding, we let them get off, and we have uh, uh, right. somebody who will hop on the bike and let them yeah, get yeah, in yeah. the truck.
3: But see, so there was nothing you, we could have done. This was mm-hmm. one hundred and thirty miles with nothing else, you know. So you couldn't bypass well i don't know if we could bypass but there was not no hotels nothing where you could stop and make it into two days let's say but i'll so well
5: if i could jump in i'll support emma said you know when you lay down that kind of cash um they they should you you fall over you're tired you don't feel well they pick you up in a truck and if there's no hotel hey we got a great little tent we're going to set up and take care of Where, where was the chase truck
3: were, so, okay, so that I knew it from the like beginning. There was some rancheria no chase
5: down truck. the street, right? Yeah. That's the first but issue. But that's, yeah, yeah that,
3: that I don't blame them because that was pretty obvious that there was no chase truck. It was basically just a, a group lead and a sweeper. That, see, I that disagree. was the extent. I, but if you were paid 500 bucks, that's exactly. one thing. But
5: you didn't pay 500 bucks. So I was
3: like, yeah, but I knew that. So I, I, yeah. can't, I can't say, look. I keep I mean. going
0: back to this. You were on a group ride. You were on a group ride that was sold to you as a tour and it wasn't a tour yeah it's a group ride you know the guy may be the greatest rider in the world but if he was actually in the tourism industry they would boot him out and throw away the key
1: and i'll bring it back again it's an adventure tour which means there's risk involved we all sign up for it jim i mean there's a reason that you have your uh, your, your come rescue me button.
5: It broken wrists? <laughs> no, yeah.
1: Right, yeah, right. Yeah. We And there's reasons that we take things with us on it because we know we're going to go take a risk. But would but you not, expect to take that on an to organized tour? But
3: I, I don't do organized tours anymore. They
1: did have a means to get a truck and to get you taken care of. I have heard of a tour before.
3: Not, not uh, f- to the ranch where we yeah. spend the night. Yeah. I, after that, that was all my doing.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, but they did have means to get you to where you were staying. I have heard of a tour before that I know people who are on it that I heard it was hellish and that um, somebody on the tour uh, crashed and had, I think, a compound fracture of the leg. Ouch. And they had no way to get them off of the mountain. And I believe the story I recall is that the girls on the ride took it upon themselves to uh, help stabilize her and then... Um, getting her down, and then somebody having to like walk back up and then ride her bike down and then walk yeah ha- past their bike and then walk back up and get their bike and ride it past the, her mm-hmm. bike. And to do, they had to go to extreme measures because they had no right truck or rescue or anything yeah. Yeah. to get them. At least in this case, they had the number of somebody to call to get a truck yeah. out there. No, absolutely. So to me, they, that they did is responsible. He did not them well no no no, no, to, no, no to get to the they got the rancher ranch. to, to, the ranch. to, the ranch.
3: ranch. to that that, to that me, one section to get to the that ranch that is
1: yeah. a responsible yeah. adventure ride there is a risk but there is a backup plan
3: but i don't know if that was a backup plan or it just happened that they had the number of the ranch and the guys yeah. there had the truck you know what i'm yeah. saying so I, yeah i mean but, I, but I absolutely i,
5: I can totally I flip-flop on this because i can see both sides at, you know mm-hmm. one time you shell out the cash it should be a ride you should be taken care of right you know you know turnkey at the second time you're fucking riding in baja mexico it's like rock and roll of the dirt bike world it's gonna get nutty and it's gonna get yeah. hairy otherwise it's just not fucking baja yeah. So I I can kind of it's hard because I see both well, sides of it. But, but at the end there's of the day, a way to yeah.
0: experience that and keep it safe for the people. There should have been a chase truck. There should have been radio communication so that when you run out of Wi-Fi so,
5: yeah. And, and it's probably a price tag to that. So I don't know how much it costs to do a tour in Mexico. It could be 500 bucks. It could be $10,000. I would imagine the more you pay, probably the better of an experience. Well, I know what be. I
0: know what Raymond
5: paid. So that wasn't cheap, but that to but, me
0: sounds like
1: an
5: affordable tour, but maybe to it others. was cheap compared to what else is out there. Maybe if you shell yeah. out 10 grand, they'll fucking fly a helicopter out to you. You know? So,
3: I was just at Jocelyn this morning, and there were a group of riders who were doing uh, an, a trip to Baja, coming up, I think, in a couple of weeks, a custom a custom trip to Baja, and uh, it, the guy has a, a chase truck with an extra bike that, uh, you know, that is available. And, and I'm uh,
1: guessing the store is maybe twice as much. No,
3: it was only $500 more. Okay. For the same amount of time, okay. you know, so... I think the price was not outrageous, but it wasn't cheap either. And I and, uh, I
1: I want to say there's another possibility of negligence here. I'm trying to like find that line in the middle. But also, I don't want to insult you, Raymond, because one of the responsibilities I think any good tour guide has, they have to assess the ability of the riders. Yeah, absolutely. And not let them get into something that they can't do. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say you weren't capable. So you tell me on a good day, would you have been capable? Do you think that they were negligent in not assessing that you weren't capable?
3: Well, th- There's no way for them to have uh, assessed my skills. Okay. Well, first of all, they didn't never ask. So okay. so from the get-go, they couldn't have had. So it was more up to me to do the assessment, I yeah. think. Uh, and in retrospect, there's no way I would have taken a GS on trails like this. Man, hang on, Liza. Mm-hmm. Never. Every
0: I mean. single rider on that tour who wasn't in the tour leader's immediate circle of friends crashed heavily. Every single one. And that tells me something.
1: Um, I, I mean, what I'm hearing, because like on my Chickistan tours, most of us crash. Some multiple times. Our let crashed four times. But with
0: the greatest respect, there is a world of difference between crashing on an Atlas 125 and crashing Triumph 900s and GSs, which will fuck you up royally
3: yeah. I mean, very quickly. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's true. We had I mean, three We had three injuries.
0: He's the walking dead.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm gonna man. Actually, I'm going to correct you, Emma, because we did have one of our guides on the last tour did crash, and he hit a rock which punctured his abdomen. Luckily, on our tour, we had a cardiac surgeon, a veterinarian, and a first responder who took care of him. And these were just the people on the tour. Oh, I like
0: the one about the grinding away <laughs> of the foot in the, in the bridge
5: <laughs> as oh, well. Yeah, that was a so, good one.
1: Um, but I'm saying that you, you can get hurt, but we know that we're taking a risk. And one of the things I do is I do try and assess the riders and their comfort right. level and to give them extra skills. In fact, I was talking to John about this today. On my Chickasaw stand tour, and I'm recommending to him yeah, on the a Stand tour. I can't believe we're using that name. <laughs> that we're starting with a track day, um, not to like race and be competitive, but to assess the rider skills and give them some extra tools.
5: Can I make the suggestion to yeah. put them on his uh, like a CT70 and pump the tires <laughs> up to 100? <100, laughs> pump the tires up to 100 psi and then send them on the dirt.
1: So. um so wait, wait I, I don't know that there is a right or wrong answer here no if-
3: and, and i don't think there is but the only point that i'm trying to make is that i've seen that happen not just once where again i talk about this pressure of these tour guides wanting to fill up their quotas of riders mm-hmm. because you know it's like the this is how do you make your money yeah. and and so the pressure on them is sometimes to disregard a few things whether it's Clearing or understanding exactly what the the guys that they're bringing, what their riding ability is, mm-hmm. or whether it is explaining exactly what challenges you're going to be facing, and and I think that's a mistake. I think I, I agree
0: two- with you. You simply can't do that because people
3: get hurt. Well, so let me give you so, another uh, example of a previous tour a long time ago, Continental Divide. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, this was a tour where you bought the GPS tracks. They were labeled uh, green, blue, and red, green being the easiest. Uh, well, except that the guy hadn't ridden these trails for 11 years. Right. Okay. And there was a guy on a GSA who had never been on the dirt before who was told that you just ride the green trails because those are the easy trails. Well, duh, those green trails after 11 years were now super difficult and the guy kept crashing and ended up hurting his finger and had to leave uh, the tour again. So, So that's my point is that don't put your customer's safety at risk Just to be able to make a little bit more money, it's just not worth it.
2: So in hindsight, what questions would you have asked? Or next time you go, what questions would you ask of a potential tour operator?
1: And actually, I'm just going to add to that. And I'm going to say, I agree in that... um, on well, Who am I agreeing with? I'm going to make the point that I think it's the responsibility of the participant to do a little more research and ask right. the questions. There's going to be different price structures. What are you paying for? What are you getting? Mm-hmm. I kind of like the idea of having a cheaper, stripped down, take a little bit of risk Yeah, as long as you're aware yeah. of what you're doing. Yeah. And I also like the idea of having a cushy, nice tour. So... You have to ask a question. So, you can now help everyone who may be interested in going on a tour. What questions should they ask?
3: Absolutely. So, I think, so I did ask the the questions of, you know, which bike to take, which in my mind was enough, but I think in retrospect was not enough. But I would ask more detailed questions about the nature of the trails and how challenging they are. Uh, with the understanding that any trail, you know, if it rains, is going to become ten times more challenging. So you also have to understand that things change, and the tour operator has to understand the same thing, and they need to be able to advise you based on that whether this is something that you can tackle or not. The mm-hmm. other one is, what would you do in in a case where I'm disabled and cannot ride my bike anymore? What are your plans? Right. Right. Do you have any? Is there any medical? There was no medical. I was the one, me and another one of the new riders were the only two people with some sort of medical knowledge mm-hmm. who had uh, a medical kit. I don't think the, the operators had any medical kits with them. Jeez. You know? Wow. Uh, so that would definitely ask about that because I learned later on that you can't actually be medevaced from Baja. They don't allow helicopters and, and planes to fly. Hmm. Uh, and I have my Garmin inReach, and I had my yeah. search and rescue membership all up to date, uh, assuming that you know if right. I had to be medevaced, I would be medevac. but it turns out that that would not have been uh, the case oh, dang. you know yeah.
5: I didn't know that that's that's yeah. good information yeah. right
3: there yeah so uh, so luckily, I didn't need to, and I was fine going with the with the tow truck up to the to, you know to the town and then and then getting back home. Uh, but cru- crucially, I mean, of course, you're and and you're stuck between a rock and a hard place because you're feeling guilty because you're delaying everybody else, right. you know. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to make too big of a deal of of your injuries, but at the same time, you also don't want to be left alone, Look, you know. So there's
0: yeah. a very specific <clears throat> timeline, and it happens a lot within what I call niche industries like the motorcycle industry. And it applies as much as running a bike shop as doing what you were doing. And you play around with motorbikes and you love them and you think they're just great. And the years go on and you start touring in Baja and you think, God, this is the greatest thing. And then you start inviting your friends and you're having a really good time. And then you think, hey, I can make some money doing this. And what people don't realize is when that happens, everything should change. Yeah. Because the focus is when you are a tour guide, the focus stops from you having a good time to making sure your clients have a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Being and a, a safe good <laughs> tour guide is a very selfless occupation. Yeah. And the harder you work, the better time your people are going to have. And the h- worst mistake, and it ap- makes me blistering mad as an ex-tour guide, of what this guy did was, I'm not going to ride sweep, I'm going to ride my own rides and have a good time, and you people are pretty much on your own. And that was a huge mistake. He's not out there to have a good time. He's out there to make sure you all have a good time. That's his job as a tour
2: guide. Well, especially given that, you know, you said that they didn't do a pre-ride. So they, and they hadn't been there in a so, year or so. Yeah, so, the, the desert changes all the time.
3: So the, Yeah. So, one of the, the things that they mentioned was like, because like I said, after we got on the pickup truck to go to the ranch, the terrain was like nightmarish. I mean, just even from the truck, I was sweating, <laughs> you know. And so, so their point was like, oh, but we were here last year and it wasn't as bad. Yeah, of course. And, and I said, well, didn't you pre-ride it? They said, no, if we would pre-ride it, then it would cost more. You know, it would add to the fee of the tour, which you guys don't want, necessarily or implied that we don't. Right. Well,
0: and that, that's it—making decisions yeah. for you. I am sure that if they'd had done a pre-ride and the tour was thirty-four hundred bucks, you'd have still signed up. Absolutely. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah
5: you know, you, these are things you have to do. So, um, so I just so I just googled Baja tours, right? So there's one on here. I'll just I'll mention the name. I don't think it matters. It's like Captain Baja. Ultimate off-road. Mm-hmm. So the prices are in the ballpark, you know, you're right. talking about, Ray's talking about, 35 you know, depending on how many days you're out there, right? Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But scrolling through it, the one giant thing I noticed in the gallery, look nice, hotel, cool, blah, 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 everybody is on a proper dirt bike, not one adventure bike in the group. Yeah. And I think um, that's a big deal. Trying to ride an adventure bike in the sand is utterly exhausting. Yep. Um, oh, so yeah. I think maybe, you know, maybe just like, like when you think about an adventure tour in, in Baja, it's like, man.
3: Well, well, So I think that just to to add to the question, yeah, of what what yeah. you would ask, uh, you know, in a situation like this. So I can manage a little bit of Spanish, but once we got to the to the ranch, and I decided that it was time for me to bail out, and I had to call the Mexican insurance that I had bought. Uh, it was a struggle to understand oh, yeah. what they were telling me, yeah. and one of the guides was uh, born in Mexico and spoke spoke Spanish, but. I had to call, constantly call him to come and help translate uh, You know where the expectation was that he should have been by my side exactly yes, the entire exactly. time until my issue got resolved. Because that's
0: you know. his job. Hey, yes, yeah. That's his bloody job. And I so- mean, it's absolutely outrageous, Raymond. And, I mean, I hate playing the what-if game because if you go down that road, however... What if there wasn't a Spanish-speaking person on that trip? Exactly. That was my point. What would you do? There was no Wi-Fi at the ranch. What if when you came off the bike, instead of messing up your knee, you ended up with a compound fracture and had an artery gone? Yeah. And everyone's ahead of you, and you've got one guy with you who's probably panicking because he's seeing you losing blood. You
5: know, you could have lost your leg. You know, well, I'm back to this website again, and like they're saying what happened. This is just their FAQ page, so who knows in real life. But what happens if I'm injured? They say there's clinics places, but Captain Baja carries a variety of emergency supplies on board their chase vehicles. Staff is EFR spinal injury certified. So on this tour, it's about the same price range. You have a chase truck with people that might know something about you know injuries. So it's interesting. I've never explored this before. This is a fascinating topic.
1: So, Raymond, I'm sorry that this... Tour sucked for you <laughs> um but you've been on a lot of tours yeah and i'm wondering if you can just give a quick shout out to some of the great successful tours that you have been on that you'd like to give a good plug to
3: oh absolutely um so it's okay to mention names mm-hmm. okay
1: this uh, is a recommendation yeah yeah, yeah. Well, was, <laughs> yeah
3: so uh so like i said i've done baja many times the first time i did it with Rawhide. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was big bikes in Baja, so it was geared towards big bikes, okay. and that was a fantastic tour. You know H- how
5: how much deep sand did you do in that?
3: Not much. Yeah, because you Not on, on
5: an adventure bike, it's just it's just yeah. exhausting. Yeah. yeah.
3: No, there was some, but sand, it sounds but, super fun. Yeah. No, oh, it was a, it was oh my a God, great sounds tour. Yeah. I, I loved that tour. We also went whale watching. Uh, we were two in a, and we shared two people in a hotel. Whereas with this latest tour, sometimes we were three to four people in a oh, hotel geez. room. So that was kind of also something that pissed me off a little bit. Uh Then oh. there was another company, West Thirty Eight Moto, with Dusty Wessels, and mm-hmm. I've done Baja yeah. probably three times with him. I'll agree. Twice, uh, once in the six ninety. Once I even drove the sh- the chase truck for him. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know so. And those were also fantastic tours. Um, I did a tour of Paragonia in Chile with uh, Moto Paragonia, and I rented one of their KLR 650s. We went on the Carretera Austral all the way down to the tip of of Chile. That was fantastic. Ah, Uh, And the nice thing about this tour was he also incorporated a lot of fun activities. Like we went river rafting. We were supposed to catch a a plane and fly over the glacier at the end. Couldn't do that because the weather was bad. But anyway... um, I did Colombia with Epicomoto, and that was an amazing trip too. Super well organized, you know. Two people who knew the terrain intimately. Great accommodations. I mean, food was included. That was with Jocelyn, actually. Yeah. You know. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, what else did I do? Um,
1: well, I know. Let's talk about what you're going to do next ah. year.
3: Okay. So next year I have uh, a a tour of nepal <gasps> wow with, with, wow with clean drink adventures that's a fantastic company because what they do is combine adventure ridings with charity and volunteering oh, nice. so the idea is you go there and you distribute water filters because yeah. access to clean water in nepal is difficult mm. so you basically ride i think they're they're 350 bullet fields you yeah. know and you go to the villages, you take the water filters with you, you you train that's them on cool. how to use them. Yeah, that's, that sounds like fun. You know. That's and uh, and there, I think it's camping, but you do have a chase vehicle and they set up the right, tents and the, and the food. <laughs> <laughs> you can but, bring a cat, yeah, Liza. Liza don't care. You,
0: you know what, Liza? <laughs> Early on, you said, I wonder where Cat McLeod would be in this. And I can tell you. Yeah. yeah. And I know exactly where Kat McLeod would be. When you hear Cat talk about his tours and you see his eyes light up, it's never about how good a time he had. He never talks about what a great time he had. He talks about what a great time his customers have. And that's why I know how he'd fall on this.
1: And he offers a high-end tour that is very much catering to the writers and their experience. And it's not an adventure...
0: But it doesn't matter. I I think it does. It doesn't matter what you put on it. When you were on a tour, as opposed to a group ride, we're not talking about the level of hotel. We're not talking about the level of food. We're not talking about, you know, the level of bike. What we're talking about is fundamental safety that was pretty much disregarded by the tour operator yeah
3: you know and i and i've done so there's another company that i i like uh, quite a bit the sierra nevada adventures you know mm-hmm. out of that's out what of, we did uh, right? Folsom. is
1: that what we did
3: yeah yeah we did that you know and the mark oh, no
1: we did the family adventure i
5: think this is it the same thing no sierra, sierra nevada adventure uh, is
3: mark Girardi. yeah that's uh. different uh, And he usually puts up a day rides, but he he also has a bunch of multi-day rides. And they're very simple. They're like, no chase trucks. You pay for your own hotel. You pay for your own food. He just plans the route and leads you, and there's a sweep. And I've done many of his rides, you know, Moab, Mojave, Death Valley, all bunch of stuff, Colorado. And some of the terrain is challenging, but there I never felt, frankly, I never felt, Oh, it wasn't international, so it's not necessarily fair to, to say that, but I never felt completely... Alone or isolated, or you know that that I wasn't going to be able to be rescued because mm-hmm. they really, you know, everybody sort of, you know, the, all the riders kind of come in and help uh, each other, you know. So, um so it's a it's a give and take, I guess. You know. Wait,
1: right, you missed one. Where else are you going to go next
3: year? Pakistan, yeah. oh, John. Yeah. <laughs> nice. You actually fit the stump logo. stand am just like, Man. dude. Exactly. You're going (laughs) to love it. I just worry that that freaking 150 is going to collapse under me. No. But
1: you know what? If it does, they have another (laughs) one in the truck. (laughs) And they got all the parts. But I think it'll be
3: fun to ride the small bike, you know?
1: It is a lot of fun. I think you're going to have a great time. And there is an amount of danger element on these trips. In Pakistan, you just don't know what the road condition is going to be like. And and Moyne likes adventure. I mean... Cut to me going over a suspension bridge. Oh God! <laughs> oh God! <laughs> you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, because I, you know, I'm like, hey, I l- like the fact that we get to take risks there. No one tells you don't do that. It, oh, that's the fun. Well, yeah. obviously,
3: Moin is also connected, so he can sort of facilitate. But he has things. also,
1: yeah. on a trip where somebody broke their leg, he chartered an airplane to get them to a yeah. the hospital. Asked, and I know? think
0: th- that yeah. to me feels like the difference. And I mean, I know Moin. I don't know the 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 owner of this company, but from your description, it sounds like you felt that, you know, the, you were inconveniencing them and that was the implication they made it. just That
3: could have been me, you know, but I, I know for sure, like the four, so like I said, there were 10 riders, six who had either friends with the team lead or had ridden with them extensively before, and four who were kind of newcomers. And the four newcomers one, we were all talking after I crashed that, you know, this is not what we had in mind, that we were not having fun, that this was sort of not okay.
0: And I think that's very, very uh, you know. telling.
3: You know, but uh, yeah. So well definitely, let me just say, get mm-hmm. insurance, get Medivac insurance, whatever you can, always make sure you have all of these things done before you go on any of these trips.
1: Good to know. Um. Yeah. And so I just want to add, so John... Your stumpy trip is when exactly? Oh,
2: yes. Yeah, so it's uh it's May thirty first if you want the whole uh, This May.
3: Yes. Oh coming crap, This May is coming. when I'm this is when I'm gonna be in Nepal, but hopefully uh, uh, hopefully we'll be able to work around it. Uh,
2: so May thirty
1: first
4: uh, through
2: June
3: okay. Oh no, 18th. that will work. Well, well, that won't if work. you're
4: already gonna be in that part of the world, yeah, yeah you yeah, might yeah, as well exactly. just zip on down.
1: <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um and my trip, um uh, finally it's it's locked down. The website has been updated so I want to give the plug, a differentagenda.com
6: mm-hmm. is where you
1: can go sign up, get all the info. My trip is going to be September 10th to 25th. And it's similar. We're doing some different stuff, but one of the things that we've added to this trip that I'm so st- Is
5: it food? For, is it food related?
1: No. Ah, is that good. we are going to go visit Shimshal Valley.
3: What is that? Yeah. Oh. On my
1: trip, it's a, you have to go up a mountain on a road that was only built five years ago. When I say road, I showed some of the people here, it's it's like carved out of a hillside gravel and it's it's, it's not a road. I it, mean, it's, yeah. not, it's like a Jeep it's a track. Path, yeah.
5: It's the one you see online where if you fall off the edge, you go like oh, a thousand God. feet into a river. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It was the wow. path they walked for centuries and they finally carved it and made it big enough for a Jeep to go on. But it's a sheer drop-off with no guardrail and you're riding on the edge of a cliff. It, up the a mountain into a valley that very few people have ever visited. Oh, cool.
3: So oh, i do like the Karakoram still. Highway? Oh yeah. Yes, yeah, you have to do that.
1: Yeah, yeah, you will go on the Karakoram up to China. Yes. Yeah, I know. So yeah, go to a differentagenda.com if you would like to sign up for either of our trips. I'm not naming names, but um I got some pretty cool people've already signed up for my trip.
0: You're making a list and <clears throat> checking it twice.
1: And oh, yeah. it's going to fill up fast as more and more people find out who they know who's already signed up. So I would recommend getting in and making a reservation on that. Um, I have another announcement. I'm going to start it by reading an email.
0: Oh,
1: Hey, Liza. This is from
0: Alfredo. Alfredo. Oh, source.
1: He says, I'm down for the Numb Nuts Challenge. Yeehaw. (laughs) Please let me know the dates and rules, uh, if I'm accepted. By the way, just got back from the Dirtbag Challenge, and it was really fucked up this year. Yeah, because he didn't have any, like, guests. It was just people built their bikes and went and did a ride. It was like, it wasn't really a party or anything. So he says, so I'm ready for more abuse, and I got another one from Sam. Hey, Sam. Who says, first off, I think it should be called the Titanium Taint Challenge. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a good
6: one.
5: And Uh, I uh, am am interested
1: (laughs) in suffering through and winning the challenge. I'll kick Bagel's numb butt.
5: Ooh, dude. The gauntlet has been, the the Merkin has been thrown down. And
1: Sam says, so glad I got to hang out with y'all after the Laguna Vintage Races.
5: Yes. Nice.
1: Um, So we've already got a couple people who want to do the Numb Nuts Challenge. Have I talked to you into it?
6: You have. <laughs> yeah, <I've> talked <laughs> me into it,
0: including Emma's burlesque show. So, it's, yes. it's, shaping it's, it's shaping up with chocolate.
1: <laughs> so, uh, we haven't set a date. I'm going to create <laughs> a <laughs> I think I'm going to create a Facebook event page so people can sign up. And I so here's what I've decided for the Num Nuts challenge. I think we're going to try and do it in January, but I know we're going to aim at
5: a the expo the, yeah, yeah, Vegas got, baby.
1: <clears throat> so, January, February around there. Um It's going to be held at
0: Mototown. Mototown. It's going to be handled at Mototown in Marina, California, USA. And listen, guys, I'm very close to the ocean. And if you don't know about Monterey Bay, it's very deep. And, man, when that wind comes (laughs) off the Monterey Bay at night,
5: God, it's cold. Here comes the fog. Mm.
0: Yeah, the fog rolls in, and the temperature will drop 20 degrees in a minute. So um, my advice is, if you're planning on doing the numb nuts or titanium taint challenge, (laughs) start pounding on the pounds by eating cheeseburgers right now. Get yourself nice and
5: chunky. I have a top tip. Yes. Ride a dirt bike for four days. And then get into your normal and motorcycle seat. I, I rode the Af- comfortable. I rode the Africa Twin. That's why I was late. Mm-hmm. It was so beautiful out tonight. <laughs> My God. So I just went <laughs> to the mountains and I couldn't stop. But I popped on that Corbin seat after four days of dirt biking. And I'm like, I could go to sleep in this thing.
1: So just a reminder, if you don't know what the Num Nuts Challenge is, um, we're going to be holding a challenge to see who can last the longest sitting on their motorcycle or scooter um, it, that is parked Either on a side stand, a center stand, or uh, pit pitbull pit bulls. Yeah. any just whatever stands. It's and we're and I think we can have ten
0: entrants. I think ten would be about right. And because, I am one of them, so yeah.
1: nine others. And then we have Sam and Alfredo and, and Raymond. It, so there's not
0: many spots
5: left. Well, Matt, Matt Beals is talking Matt about. Matt wants to So
0: it's an outside event. It is, and I want to stress this. Even though Moto Town is inside, you want heated gear. I yeah. will be inside Moto Town taunting you, yeah. sitting next to my <laughs> heater, eating gourmet food.
1: So we're going to be lined up parked in the, in the parking lot outside of Emma's shop. And, um,. $1,000 cash prize for the whoever can stay on their bike the longest. You will have um, food and drinks brought to you, right. just like pizza or hot dogs, whatever. We're going to have, I think, a grill going there. Yeah. Um, you cannot touch the ground except for the allotted bathroom breaks. And, and
0: we're going to time you with uh, your bathroom breaks. So we there's might no watch. point we in might saying, it. ooh, I've got to go for a poo. And then no, no. disappearing for <laughs> 10 minutes. What's and that? having a Ten quick having a, a, having a quick wank in there. There's none of that nonsense. Of that. You get your, timed. Your quick wank
1: must be on the bike. Um, <laughs> God, the other other rules is, is that you must wear It's
5: a way to pass the time, isn't it?
0: <laughs>
1: you must wear helmet and boots. That's not much at, time to pass <laughs> at all times. Yes. Um whatever else you're wearing is up to you.
0: I mean if you want to do it naked that's fine but helmet and boots. Well, boots. Yeah. Helmet
1: and boots at all times time. what even if my when you Crocs? Even when you're using the bathroom <laughs> or eating the helmet stays on the whole time. Oh. oh and
6: oh, oh, um you must always
1: either have feet on the pegs or or boards or a butt in the seat which means you can stand up on the pegs or boards or you can put your feet up on the bars as long as you're butt in the seat. But you cannot mm. stand up on the seat or, you know, you, you, can't, you always must have a butt on the seat. Yes, You sir. can't
0: sit on your foot pegs.
1: <laughs> can I, yes, you cannot.
5: Gosh. Can you take your helmet off when you go to the bathroom? No. No! Helmet
1: on at all times. God. Also, Damn. you cannot have anything brought to you that you did not have packed on your bike. For instance... If it starts to rain, you cannot have someone bring you an umbrella or a raincoat. So you have to have these things packed on your bike, and they can only be packed on standard motorcycle luggage. So you can't, for instance, strap a 4x8 sheet of plywood to your bike and then set it up as a, you know, and put bed. A, a bed. No, standard. Mm. So if you want to bring mm. battery packs, if you want to bring granola bars, if you want to bring... A book. If you want to bring a blanket, you can do all that as long as they're packed in standard and a poo bucket gear.
5: I suggest this because I don't think I'm going to do it because it sounds insane. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but if you could scare, score a pair of virtual reality goggles, mm-hmm. put them over your helmet, oh. and you could actually ride the greatest <laughs> oh, roads true. in the world while you're on your motorcycle. And Top as tip. it progresses, or watch porn. Or watch- <laughs> <laughs> but and entertainment great. will be provided. Yeah, there
1: will be provided. There is a good chance you might see Emma's tits. I'm just going to say, all three um, of them. Yeah, all three <laughs> of them. And there I've will be, <laughs> there will be ET, incentives you know. <laughs> and challenges along the what? way. Right?
0: Oh yeah. Oh my. All yes. I'm going to say at this stage is there are there are going to be additional prizes, big and small. Is that what you're calling it? <laughs>
5: In Here comes your
6: prize.
0: Valu- <laughs> no, valuable prizes.
6: Oh, well, oh, yeah.
0: Valuable prizes in addition to the $1,000. Also, there will be hindrances. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we're, we, I mean, we're going to make it. For instance. You're going to earn that 1000 bucks.
1: A challenge might be uh, for the next 20 minutes, all, everyone needs to stand on their pegs.
0: Okay. And That's it.
1: And so, you know, just, just giving you examples. These are all things that you would normally do on your...
2: Now, Liza, your knowing plane. you, you're not going to be able to pull out random challenges out of your, your butt. No, no. Because you're a, you're a participant. So. Um, well, here's the
1: thing. As a participant, I am going to participate in right. any challenge, and I don't get to win anything. I just get to keep my money if right. I win. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so,
0: and c- can I tell somebody an incentive? Uh, no. No, no, you cannot. Oh, okay. So the incentives cannot. are going to be, but they're going to be good. Mm. You cannot say anything about incentives.
3: Well, well, so, it'll be pie. So if my GS is not totaled, I'm more than happy. To you use it, it for that. Price. No, you,
0: it's it's a perfect use for a total GS. <clears throat> That's true. So That's
1: true. if you're interested in participating in this sometime in January, February, again, I'll create the date. But if you want to uh, be included, uh, send us an email recycle-motorcycle-garage right. at recyclemotorcyclegarage@gmail.com. Um, so Bagel, are you
2: coming down for this to, on a scooter or what? Uh are you still gonna be using the garden hose? <laughs> <laughs> that might be you mean to that spank be us?
0: <laughs> no, we're gonna be using the poo bucket.
1: <laughs> well, if everyone's wearing their motorcycle gear, uh You didn't a little... say anything about
3: motorcycle gear. No, you, didn't. Be you in said, underwear you and boots and helmet. I
1: said boots and helmet, but if you have motorcycle gear to put on You could oh, wear as much that, as you want. A, hey, hey, a, a little bit of sprinkle shouldn't be a problem, should it, Bagel? Huh. I didn't say anything. Uh, I wouldn't wouldn't spray people in the face, but if you're spraying,
0: creating rain. However.
1: That's all. I'm just um,
5: saying. just want some rainbows.
0: Mike came up with a a valid question. Can he do this from a motorcycle sitting in the back of his truck? No.
1: But it can be a non-running motorcycle.
0: (laughs) It doesn't have to be a running motorcycle, but the motorcycle is going to be on the concrete pad outside Mototown, where I can get to you with the Rotten Tomatoes.
1: Okay, so there you go. That's the number. No you sidecar.
3: That's Jim, will what I'm you doing? be participating
5: in this or what? Am I, I'll participate in some fashion to be sure. <laughs> what role it remains to be seen. <laughs> hey, in.
0: guess what, guys? You can help me do the burlesque game time! Game <laughs> that Tell is in my wheelhouse.
5: Time. I'm a pretty good stripper, too.
0: I'm <laughs>
1: it's game saying. time. Oh Uh-oh. yeah! The oh!
5: yeah, yeah, yeah. a, a theme theme song.
1: And uh, as you know, when we do the games, no, I, I, can I see like your to, screen. By the way, I like to make it fair, uh, f- fair games, uh, fair teams. So I split everyone up, and uh, so it's going to be everyone against Emma to make
0: it fair. <laughs> 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 and, it's
3: still and it's still not fair. Like yeah. It's, it's, How
0: it's, is this fair? <laughs> this isn't right.
3: I guess it depends on the game. No, it's not.
1: All right, so in this game, this is called What's That Bike?
5: <laughs> oh, God.
1: It's easy. What's that bike? What's that smell?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
5: so it was Little's breath Chocolate. after the kitty roka that dog <laughs> well, I swear that
0: dog has the worst breath imaginable. She loves oh. to give kisses. Oh, God.
1: <laughs> so in this game, I'm going to read the specs and description of a bike. And you guys have to guess
0: what it is.
2: Now, how do we get? We just
0: blurt it out whenever we shout it out. All right, okay. Shout it out. I'm I'm not feeling very well.
1: All right. (laughs) So
0: this is an 847
1: cubic centimeter bike. It is an inline three.
0: It it is Yamaha XS 750 four stroke. It is a Triumph.
1: 115 horsepower. How many? That's a Triumph ST. <clears throat> it is, let's see, uh, let's see. two valves per cylinder. It's injection. Fuel system is in invec- oh, injection. There goes
5: my Kawasaki mark.
1: Double overhead cams. It's injected? Ignition system TCI. Transistor controlled Ignition. Liquid cooling. It's Triumph Trident. It's got to be a Triumph. Six-speed. Yeah. Chain drive with an aluminum twin spar frame. Speed triple. Let's see. uh, Front suspension, 41 millimeter forks. Rear suspension, single shock, adjustable preload, and rebound damping. Yes. Yeah, what about the Yamaha XSR? Front brakes, uh, yeah. double disc, ABS, hydraulic. Rear brakes, single disc, hydraulic. Um, this year that I am looking at here is a 2015. Hmm. It's labeled as a naked bike. You guys suck at this game.
5: Wait, it's it's, s- not, it's not the Yamaha XSR 900. No, that's okay. not a triple. It's is Not it? the Triumph Speed Triple. Yeah.
0: Oh, it's triple. No, yeah. it's not. No, it can't because it's. And Tranche in Bay this year, has got four valves per <clears throat>
5: cylinder.
1: In this year, two thousand and fifteen, it came in matte gray and candy red. Oh. K- uh,
5: KZ nine hundred. No. No, it's that's, a. That's an inline no. four. Uh,
1: all right, I'm just going to read you the full description here. Um, Eight hundred forty-seven cc, liquid cooled, inline three cylinder, DOHC, twelve valve, crossplane crankshaft concept.
0: Stop you there, so it's not a two valve; it's a four valve. Uh,
1: and then well, it said I'm just reading you valves per cylinder two, and then up here Whoa. it says DOHC twelve valve cross-plane crankshaft. No, you can't. You engine. can't have
0: two valve per cylinders and then twelve valves. Okay, well valves I'm, in no, a... I'm just reading. It. Okay,
1: derived very good. from the award-winning and media favorite FZ09.
0: So it's an MT09 XSR. This
1: engine right? <clears throat> combines advanced high-tech components. Uh, blah 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 we blah. Do blah. Suck at this. You guys suck it all right. What is it? It's the FJ09.
5: Uh, uh. You oh. guys really suck. That might be my next bike. Actually, how do you like that bike? Does that no, yeah, no, no! that I tell you what maybe my next my next commuter
0: there's been a couple come in which have got like stupidly high mileage on yeah. them. <laughs> and I have to say they feel very baggy hmm. but they don't off go well
5: Do the um does the luggage is that uh uh osculator?
0: Yeah okay all right. Well, right no, we're, we're going to do better this, this I'm time I'm hoping No our honestly I'm, are
1: I'll it. try I'm going to try better Okay this next one uh, was introduced by Honda who? To the United States market in 1986. Oh, no. DB500. <clears throat> it was so Ooh, successful that as of 2009, it was still in production in Japan. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> VFR
2: 750?
1: It. Let's see. It is a VFR uh, let's see. suspension. The front trailing link fork, rear swing arm. Um, engine two hundred and forty four cc liquid cooled SOHC single hmm. transmission.
5: Oh, not the Nighthawk. No, no the
1: it's it, it, transmission V-Matic continuously variable transmission. Oh, yeah,
0: it's Honda Helix. No, it's not the Helix. It's the oh the CH the CH two fifty. I think Bagel got that one.
3: The he, Elite
1: 250. Uh, we're going, Bagel. Yeah, it's the Elite 250. Thank Bagle you, Bagel. Bagel jumped uh-huh. in. Elite. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to say Bagel. Yes, mm-hmm. Bagel one So, team two. Emma's two. One. Okay. Yes, very good. <laughs> All right. You're getting it. All right. All right. Let's go with ooh, this one. Okay. Yes. All right. This one. Yes. Uh, manufactured since 1999. Oh, dear. Features a mid-sized V-twin engine. SV650. That's correct.
3: Oh. oh ho, ho, wow. Ooh. That was prescient. I that's,
1: <laughs> that's team 2. Oh, Emma, they're winning. That's okay. <laughs> All right, let's go with this one. Oh, yes, I like this one. Let's see. This bike, um Let's see. Engine. Four-stroke parallel twin cylinder DOHC four valves per cylinder. Okay, very good. Um 798 cc compression ratio 12 0 to one cooling liquid cooled induction electric intake injection with 45 millimeter throttle bodies uh ignition knock control and a oxygen sensors
0: Wow uh yeah um oh it's, a, it's wait a minute it's it's uh um, is it uh, an R80GS? it's transmission
1: is six speed. yes Final drive is chain.
0: Oh. Okay. oh, no, it still could be a BMW. Frame, F- tubular F- frame.
1: That is correct. Okay. Damn. What was it? I'm on fire. F800GS. Oh, nice. nice. Very good. All right. Uh, ooh, Emma, they're Emma? killing you. what's
0: going on? I'm not well.
1: I know. All right, Emma. Yes, darling. All right, so uh, this one... Was made from 1999 to 2017. Okay. Uh, let's see. It's double overhead camshaft and liquid cooling. Yes. Um, were the first this this bike was the first for this brand to have the double overhead camshaft and liquid cooling. Um, mm. <clears throat> say, for that brand or for that model to, to, that. Brand, this okay. was the first bike of this brand to yes, have yes, that. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, engine is 1131 cc's, also known as a 69 cubic inch.
2: Is that the uh, the 12 G, the, the, GS 1150? It,
1: it then became a 1247.
2: Cc. It's the big Kawasaki, the ZX, right? Whatever the big one was. Uh,
1: top speed, um. Somewhere between 137-144 miles per hour.
0: That's too slow to be the Kawasaki. Yeah.
1: Mm. Power, 115-125 horsepower. 84 pounds. It's not uh, It's not it's like a KTM. It's KTM. Transmission is 90. a five-speed belt drive. Harley. It's got... Uh, it's a, a twin see, can. A, a, no, that's gone. 3.2-gallon cast tank. Um, let's I see. <clears throat> it, it's engine, um, yes, was based on the VR 1000 right. race bike, my up the butt bike.
3: V Rod, that's correct. Oh. Rod, uh, nice uh, team. Two,
1: wow. I was trying to give you a gimme, Emma.
0: That's okay.
1: I thought you'd get that one. Okay. Now I'm All starting right. to feel
3: bad for Emma.
1: All right. <laughs> this next one. Um, <laughs> That's not something you should she's
3: ever just do. Letting <laughs> us, she's just letting us win. That's what Production,
1: it is. 1989 to 2012. Yes. Good run? Yes. Um, assembled in Japan, 1988 to 2003. And then- That's got to be the rebel. And then from 2004 to 2013, assembled in Spain- Hmm. Oh,
0: shit, that's a GZ250.
1: And then...
0: GS500. The final... Yes, there you go. <laughs> what was it? <laughs> the
1: final year assembled in Colombia.
0: Yeah. Really? GS500. They In Colombia They, they built they a factory especially for the GS500 in okay, Santander. Yeah, huh. Interesting.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: For one see. year. What? Well, no, I mean, it was about a four year, and they <laughs> built GZs and DR200s oh, okay. there as well. Okay,
1: okay. <clears throat> this next one has been in continuous production since its 1948 introduction.
0: Sportster. 48. 1948
1: <clears throat> to present. Bullet. Assembled in Italy and India.
0: Italy and India. To Vespa.
1: It
0: Lambretta
1: <clears throat> Let's see. Uh currently two model ranges are offered. one with a 49.8 yeah. cc petrol engine and the other one which comes with a 218 cc petrol engine or a 422 diesel engine.
6: Oh hmm.
1: huh? Come on guys. Um, There was also a special variant uh, from 1993 to 2005 that had four wheels. Because I didn't mention that this one has three wheels.
3: Piaggio? No.
1: Piaggio Ape? There you go. (laughs) Bagel. Well
0: done, Bagel. Wow. Four wheel Ape. Ape.
1: Yeah, uh, called the Apé Poker four wheel version of the Apé TM <laughs> with the same name. A poker, and poker. I didn't even God, know that's one I mean. for that's poke for poke
4: one for Uncle Phil's anal game.
1: God, my. you Why? think the poker <laughs> would
4: be shaft driven?
1: Okay, all right. I got another one. Yes. All right. <clears throat> this one has been in production since two thousand and eight, <clears throat> um, and in two thousand and nine, it came out with a special R edition. Uh, single cylinder, four stroke, 654 cc. Uh, do oh,
2: we say, is that the f- Jim's bike? Is it the... Uh, uh,
1: is it Cahen? Yeah, Cahen. Cahen, Cahen uh, EMS with electric power throttle, pressure lubrication with two Eaton pumps. Yes. What uh, cc is this? It's uh four fifty, right? Six hundred and fifty four CC, four stroke. Oh. Six gears, dog clutch engagement, APTC slipper clutch hydraulically operated. Comes with mm-hmm. Brembo floating caliber Brembo brakes, uh Brembo piston brakes with floating caliper. XR six spoked wheels with aluminum
0: rims. Aluminium rims. <laughs> uh
1: let's see. Um <clears throat> Let's see. It's, although it, although the, the displacement is labeled as something different, it is actually a 654cc. Mm. Um, And then they had, they discontinued the E model and came out with the R model. Uh, Made some changes to the Oh, is that a DR650? And I'm just going to have to make it easier. It's a dual sport. You guys really? XL six hundred and fifty. Um, and it's um, <clears throat> it's uh, easily noticed by the orange frame. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, <laughs> well, that's we like KTM. Which one? Six hundred and ninety. Six hundred and
3: ninety. Rally. Enduro uh, R. Duke.
1: The 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 spoked wheels. Yeah, yeah. Enduro R. Enduro yeah, R. Yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. Oh,
0: you t- you own one. Yeah. <laughs> I know. There's one in the garage
1: here, and he owns one. All right, we got one more because you guys are sucking at this. Big. Good, I'm glad. <laughs> you guys are sucking.
3: Uh, I don't know if you can blame us or blame the game creator. I don't know. All right, this it's tool this bike, fault.
1: This bike won the Motorcycle USA Motorcycle of the Year Prize in 2014. Mm. Uh, so it's been in production from 2014 to present. It is it's class is standard. It is assembled in Thailand.
0: That's right.
1: mt 9 Its engine is a 124.9 cc air-cooled four-stroke single with a top speed of 55 to 73 miles per hour. Is that a
2: Grom? That's a Grom, yeah.
6: It is it's a Grom. That's yeah. what I was saying.
1: Yeah, it comes with either a four-speed manual or five-speed manual. How fast do is they say a grom Atlas goes? Honda. Uh, 55 to 73 miles per hour.
0: No way. 55 <laughs> is everything on a grom. Yeah, it's absolute. Well, down, I, downhill. If anybody thinks they could get 73 out of a grom, please write to Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh. maybe not a stock grom.
1: <laughs> um, John, did you mention that? Maybe Phil doesn't appreciate the emails he's been getting. I know.
2: They were talking a load of shit on this last <laughs> podcast. Gosh. You know, so yeah, they, uh, you know, but, and I honestly think everyone should continue sending emails to Phil at clevelandmoto.com because he's, uh, he told me that he is enjoying getting your emails from us that are basically touting how wonderful the Motorcycle Misfits podcast and how many glaring mistakes that are coming out of the Cleveland Moto
6: podcast.
2: So,
1: no, I only want him to receive complaints about us.
6: Oh, he's I, getting them. But, I wanted but him they're... to enjoy
1: that. That was my gift to him. So oh if you God. do have a complaint, send it to phil at clevelandmoto at gmail.com. Um, I wanted to get real quickly back onto tours. So, uh, Raymond, you said that you've been on a bunch of tours. You're about to go on some tours. I want to know from everyone here in the room, including Raymond, everyone, what is one place... And, and Bagel is <laughs> not in the room. Um, one place you would like to go on a tour of? What it would be on your tour, motorcycle tour
3: wish list? Africa.
1: Oh, okay. That's a mm. whole continent.
3: Yeah, but that, that's the idea. <clears throat> going from Egypt down to uh, South oh, Africa. Oh, you want to go for it. Yeah.
1: Um, I'm going to say the ones that kind of piquing my <laughs> interest. I've heard both Thailand and Vietnam are a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And good food, too.
6: <laughs> i hear those lived,
5: places lived are ride live to yeah.
1: ride ride to eat i uh, keep it all the yeah. way to the end
5: I, I know people that travel that part of the world It looks just fabulous yeah the food the i people, think everything. i'd
1: lean on vietnam because i think that's maybe less uh less tourist i'm not sure but i've heard of people doing great fun motorcycle adventures there i mean and you're going to a country that is built for motorcycles they're everywhere
3: yeah and small ones too, so. John.
1: Other than p- upcoming Pakistan, where's some place you well, would like to it,
2: go? It's hard because I haven't, I haven't never ridden Europe, but so I'm, but I'm going to take that off the table because that's an obvious um, okay. one. But I, I think uh, I do like the idea of Southeast Asia, and I would also probably like to do India. Mm.
1: Mm, yeah. All right, hey Bagel. I know you've done a bunch of tours. Where's some place you like to go? Do well. Um, Please say Antarctica. The thought has crossed my mind (laughs) because that's exactly what I'd expect from another
5: record.
4: Uh, The the thought has crossed my mind. Uh, I don't know if there is any way that would be possible, but it is possible.
1: uh, Do you not remember Steph Jevons, one of our guests?
0: I remember. She
1: rode all the continents, and there's a great video in the currently playing Rev Sisters Moto Film Festival. The Mm -hmm. South Jersey Moto Film Festival, which is, tickets are free. Go to revsisters.com. And Steph Jevons uh, has one of her uh, little shorts that she created of her putting her bike onto a boat and taking it to Antarctica and riding it Mm -hmm. around in the snow there. So that was a quick little plug. So you could do that
4: well that's always i suppose that's a possibility yeah um but i i would like to tour europe uh but i want to do it on my bike and i want to ride there mm. um <laughs> that might be a problem i i you're
1: gonna go it, circles gonna, in the plane like go well, buoys no, you, on the? You,
4: well you put it on the plane and then you keep riding from there you know oh, oh, like okay. you do uh, but you know with my bike um so maybe in a couple of years we'll see how things go um i i I really do want to reprise my idea to ship my bike to Hawaii and, and make Hawaii my 50th state. Um, and if, if all goes well, maybe this year is the year to do it. Coming nice. up, we'll see.
1: Emma. or someplace exotic you want to go? Japan.
6: <gasps> mm,
4: yeah. oh,
1: that would be great. Oh, yeah. the motherland for so many people yeah. <laughs> Oh, heck yeah.
0: <clears throat> oh. But... The thing is with Japan, and I've heard this many, many times, it is such a different culture. Mm -hmm. You would have to do it with a guide. Oh, yeah. I I would genuinely be absolutely terrified of finding myself in the middle of Japan alone.
5: Danelle Lin is in Japan. At the moment. Oh, is she? Yeah, I've been following mm. Instagram. She's oh, been there cool. for about I don't know, a while. Right. I love she's great to follow. But yeah, but yeah, I have another friend that went there solo not speaking Japanese. Worst 2 weeks of her entire life.
0: I can imagine because I mean it's it's just so alien, but that's well, why you,
5: and not being there but Tokyo versus the countryside, right? And you well, I've up, never been there, but
1: You can yeah. end up eating street octopus, you don't know.
5: <laughs> so Well, you know cuz you pick it up off the <laughs> street. <laughs> street pussy's never Did, good did you eat.
1: already say where you want to go?
5: Where do you want to go? Um I'll 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 say two things cuz I can but yeah. I'll echo Emma's Emma's comment. I would love to ride around Japan and we do have some podcast friends there that I think would be a treat. So Japan is very intriguing to me, the countryside especially. But I would love to ride around America. I would. I could mm-hmm. ride around this country for like a year nonstop. It is. Well, we got that That's America. exactly what Dan Ellen did. Yeah, I love this country. Yeah. It's beautiful. I would. Mm-hmm. I would try to do some sort of my own combination of the Trans America Trail yeah. slash BDR slash other stuff. Continental I just, Divide. I just want to do. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I'd like to do America.
1: You know what, um, Emma? What boat I missed, and it actually did include a boat. Um, <clears throat> there was a time, I think it was in the nineties, that you could buy a Harley Davidson here, right? Ship it to Europe, mm-hmm. go ride around for a couple weeks, and and sell it and pay for your entire trip. Mm.
0: Wow. Interesting. Yeah, yeah I there don't was doubt a time there was such high demand over there. Right. I'm
1: wondering if there's any opportunities like that now for anything. But then I've also heard that you could go over to like Germany, and buy a BMW, and bring it back and save oh, that, so much it no, pays for your trip. That
0: that's been around for that's, years, no, but I right. think they've stopped it now. Yeah, and travel itself is not what it used to be. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think we've passed what we'd call the golden age of travel, when you can just, mm. poof, 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 you know, go around whenever you want. But if you pick up an, any copy of Time magazine or Life mm-hmm. magazine from the early 60s, there's always ads of fly to Germany, pick up your brand new Mercedes-Benz, yeah. drive it around Germany, put it on the freighter, and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, this this was nothing new, but I think... Um, I think the days of just traveling around freely are... I'm not well, saying over, but they're changing. And they're changing quite quickly.
4: Yeah, and everything's probably like
0: on when pause anyway. Not you sailed to of- Monster
5: Island to go fight King yes. Kong.
1: I, you know what? I want to know, because, I mean, there has to be places where that opportunity still exists. Um, it's really hard to bring bikes from other countries in here mm-hmm. if they're not made for yeah, US or yeah, especially, uh, but... There's the opportunity to take bikes here to places, and there are people with money. I mean, to Pakistan, if you can, getting a BMW GS, like I've met people there ride them. It costs twice the amount, the the fees and Hmm. and everything you pay. It doubles the cost. So a BMW that's twenty four thousand, it's going to cost them forty eight thousand there. But there are people who have the money. Yeah, yeah. So I I'm just curious if anyone else uh, listening knows of any of these opportunities or places that you could do that. And I remember the thing with the Harley there were, you could through, um, I think there were, uh, it wasn't, it was kind of, uh, the internet was still brand new. There were ways to put the word out and actually pre sell the bike and go right around for two weeks and just deliver it. There, There were, there were, there were networks to do that. And I always thought about doing it, but you actually put it on a ship is how you get it there. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. if you know of these kind of opportunities, it'd be really cool to know and share. But I wonder if they don't exist anymore.
3: Well, Air Canada had the program where you would, they would fly your bike and it wasn't very expensive. <laughs> right. So you yeah. could fly to Europe with your bike.
4: Yep, that's what I was thinking about doing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, um, I want to get to some emails because we have a bunch. And this first one I'm going to read because it's controversial. Oh.
4: Emma it's
1: controversial. in the pot. Well, but in all fairness, I'm going to read it because uh, I want to get everyone's opinion here. Um, and this is from uh, Carlos.
0: Hello, Carlos. And he says... That's controversial, Carlos, to his friends. <laughs>
1: <laughs> says, I just got the latest AMA magazine. No. I read their article, Helmet Laws and the AMA, on page 12. Yes. He says, <laughs> this article perfectly illustrates why the AMA is terrible and why I'm very happy I will not be renewing my membership.
0: Okay. Uh-oh. The
1: AMA and Abate uh, are so incredibly similar to the NRA and mindset, meaning they're out of touch and extremely self-centered with little regard to public interest or needs and in catering to a certain audience, which is primarily middle-aged white men. Um, I don't really have an answer to this and I didn't read that article.
5: Did you? No, but the last, I want to say the last one or the one before it came out, it was chock full of women motorcyclists. Oh, yeah. I mean, chock full of women motorcyclists.
1: But I will say, and having interviewed um, Rob Dingman a couple times, president of the AMA, we have asked him questions that we couldn't ask him on the air. Like, why aren't you doing this? Or why aren't you supporting this? Or why do you allow this? And it all came down to politics and losing members. It it depends on what the majority of the people want in the mm. states and in the government. Like, why isn't there more helmet laws? Why aren't they just pushing to get helmet laws everywhere? And he says because th- most riders don't want it. We would lose most of our members. So it may be something like that. You know, or, or like, why aren't you doing more to get more lane splitting? I don't understand why that isn't happening. Like that would be
5: good legislation. for them, yeah. Yeah. But there's on, politics that's safety,
1: involved. Because right. I said, how about if you may make the deal? Like, hey, can we get lane splitting legalized if we put a helmet law in place? And he's like, no, you get into the politics and dealing with people and it gets nasty. And it's a thing you can't please all the people. So you have to please the majority of people while you're still trying to serve the people. But not everyone has the same interest. It's a really hard line well, to follow. What
5: what's the beef with the AMA? Is it just that it caters to, to white middle-aged guys, or is there a bigger beef?
1: Um, well, specifically, the helmet laws and the AMA, which I have to read. Okay. I can only assume it's because there's politics, and they don't push hard where I think they should push hard. And and he's told me, because they can't, because they will lose more sure. members. The, the
0: inevitability, whenever you're in a larger group, a group of anything. You have sometimes you just have to look at the larger picture. If I was to say I agreed with every policy the AMA puts out, I'd yeah. be lying through my teeth because I don't. And I mean, I look at some of the decisions they support. I'm like, dear God, these ramblings of a lunatic. But when I look at the overall picture. I find enough to agree with that warrants my membership. Well, and that and that applies not just to the AMA, to everything.
5: And, and I know we're just going off an email, but mm-hmm. also don't judge it just by their magazine. I mean, I, I was looking at the District 36 calendar today, and if you look at the amateur motorcycle racing that the AMA right. supports, it's vast. Well, uh, I mean, they support a lot of stuff that's not in the magazine. I'll, t-
1: I'll tell you my stance is if you don't support what they're doing for you in your area, then don't support them. Because I know of racers who have big beefs because the AMA is a governing body of races Mm -hmm. and there are some decisions about qualifications or stuff like that that they've had to make that doesn't benefit certain people, then don't support them. I'm okay with that. Point being that there's so much... um, They deal with so much controversy, legislation, politics, that they can't serve everybody. So there's always going to be somebody who's not served. So I have no problem with those people Mm -hmm. showing their distaste and not supporting them. I personally support them, and I do encourage others to support them because I feel it does benefit me Mm -hmm. and the more support they get the more they can do is how i feel
0: but i think carlos is entirely justified in his point of view as well Mm -hmm. you know that's the beauty of democracy you you, you get to you get to say what you feel without Mm -hmm. some degree of repercussion but all i would say to carlos is just look at the bigger picture and if you find there's more you disagree with than you agree with then but it's clear but i would also
2: say that i think it is time for the ama to do specific outreach and development around people of color riders and uh and you know that they've done a better job really with liza and some other people's leadership around women but i think you know there's a after going to vintage motorcycle days it is a bunch of middle-aged white guys that look a lot like me and i would love to see a movement of people of color to ride other than harleys i mean Busa well, bros and harley
5: guys
1: as uh, building on what emma said to me the bigger picture is the ama is the voice mm-hmm. of riders in america yeah
3: and it's the only voice it's the only it's,
5: exactly it's the only organized voice
1: and i want to support that voice because um through all sorts of things like you know um uh, there's all sorts of uh, emission stuff and they target motorcyclists often yeah so the AMA is there fighting and helping to get land use for dirt biking, all these things. Yeah. They are fighting. They're not winning all the battles.
5: Right. Well, you know, you know. thank goodness, you know, is and, and we, we cuss them all the time, but quads and four-by-fours, but, you know, the side-by-side side community has gotten huge. Oh, and you know what? Thank God, um, because the motorcycle community just doesn't have the support legislatively, mm-hmm. and you'll get public lands closed. But like when I, I go out to BLM land and I see these side-by-side people, you know, they're going kind of crazy, having a good time. I used to Now now I'm glad to see them because the more people that are out there accessing and enjoying the public lands, right. the better. If it was just yeah. motorcyclists, for whatever reason, we don't really stand a chance. So I was glad to see a lot of the yeah. side-by-side people I mean, to, out there.
2: To Emma's point, I'd say also that, you know, I'm part of a couple of national associations as part of my day job. And the biggest thing, if you want change, get involved and start to get to know who the decision makers are and who the policy people are. And you know, I found that you know it's a very small staff for AMA, and I found that getting involved with national associations and knowing people and starting to push for what I care about actually, you can move a cruise ship that
5: way. That's a good point. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But, All right,
1: um, we need to keep rolling. Bagel, I sent one to you. Do you have that ready? Uh, I do. All right, go ahead.
4: <clears throat> uh, hey, misfits from Gavin Bolton, UK. <laughs> if you don't want to do it, do an accent. Don't do posture cognate, please. Bolton has a terrible accent all of its own
0: So you're going Look with up. Irish?
4: Mm, I'm trying that I didn't say I was going to do it well I'm going to butcher no, this you're one
0: do, you're doing great, Bagel It's like you're fucking there, mate oh, It's like good. you're
1: there good. good on you, mate
0: Look up Fred Dibner if
4: you want a reference
1: Oh, God,
4: just, yes, good old Just been cut just been catching up in the last few episodes and i like the games you've been playing so i thought i'd add my 10 cents for the game where you guess a bike that emma hasn't worked on 10 pence.
1: <laughs> oh he's got a guess all right go on i'd like
4: to i'd like to put forward a kagiva super city 50 cc not the 125 that were more common and a kagiva mito doesn't count even though it had the same motor so, cool. all right, after hold the-
1: on. So let's answer that. Emma, have you worked on a kagiva Super City 50cc?
0: No. Oh, Ooh. good one. Well, good no, one, one. I, I think in my defense, I th- think they were invented after I came to America. Oh, okay. I'm, but, I'm not likely yeah. to have them out here. Kagiva's right. quite an interesting brand. They, they they were branched out of Air Maki. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Um, bought basically they were brought under the Ducati umbrella. Um by another, none other than Alejandro de Tomaso, um, and sort of Kagiva motorcycle brand went off and became Ducati, and then Kagiva kind of scooter brand stayed Kagiva. but they've got this very cute little elephant as, and, a, as a mascot. And
1: and, yep. and Bagel, as you continue on, I just want to say that the next is about last week's. Um, Porn Pick Challenge. Oh, yes. All right, go ahead.
4: So, continuing. Uh, on from the last episode, I think the Yam, Yam DT should have won, as it's a brilliant little classic. Yeah. And my first bike was a DT50, and the parts are not a problem, as I fixed mine with the bearings from a hot point washing machine <laughs> for my crank bearings. <laughs> oh. And a bit of Hoover pipe for, for Henry for my exhaust downpipe. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. You, you were talking about fears on the Halloween episode and, and got me thinking about it. I emailed you some years back and told you I had a crash. some and I had coming back from a rally in Bilt Wales. Bilt Wales in Wales, where I fucked up my ribs and my dad's 80s Super 10. Oops. Mm. <laughs> well, I go on that rally every year. And, as, and this year was the first year I went the same way to get there just to face the place I went down. Mm. And I must say it was... It felt empowering, and it returned some confidence that until then I didn't realize I had lost. Yeah. I think facing yeah. that place really helped. I agree. Still, still over in the podcast, so keep them coming, Gav.
0: Oh, cheers, right. that was great. But I mean, you know what's the what's the same? One must always get back on the horse. Yeah, mm-hmm. you I know, to go back to
3: Baja then. Yeah, yeah, back. I think. Yes.
0: Unfortunately, that's in your future. Yeah. Sorry, Bremen, but right, John? gotta be done. What you got?
2: All right, uh, this is from. Adam. Hey, Adam. How's Eve doing? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sup, misfits? Uh, Hey, I have a query. Might be an AMA Vintage Days sort of query. I just found a 71 Kawasaki 350 triple. It's a basket case, of course, but reasonably complete. I'd like to fix it up, but it's only two-thirds present, and I have zero interest in tracking down a bunch of obscure original parts.
1: Oh, hold on.
5: I gotta bounce. You gotta bounce? I'm gonna head out. Yeah, it's Say, been fun it's been save real. that email for next week. This is a good one. I like it. I, I want to read it, but save I, it I gotta for go. Next week. Okay. Yeah. Cheers. Sorry. Cheers, Sorry. cheers. Cheers, Hi, see you. See everybody. cheers, cheers you Jimmy.
2: Cheers, cheers. So is this something that would be entirely uh, devalued by doing this whole aftermarket exhaust seat, et cetera? Mm-hmm. Worth a cylinder hone and a new tune up parts and a half ass paint job or worth a cylinder rebo rebuild, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I think the biggest obstacle to a stock rebuild would be a rusted out exhaust and Gauge and hand control cables. Sorry. <clears throat> does this bike have a racing background or following? Where might, where might, where maybe it needs to go to the vintage racing crowd instead of being my tool around <laughs> town bike? Hopefully, have you they're, established
0: they're what the early. bike is? Oh, yeah, it's a Kawasaki it's a, S2. Yep.
1: Uh, nope, Why does it say
0: hurricane in the subject? Uh, I don't know. Okay. No, it's not a hurricane. It's okay. an S2. No. So, uh, yeah. I, I mean, go blimey. Um,
4: they're peaky little bikes.
0: Yeah, S2s. It's a little forty horsepower all bike. Right. I mean oh, yeah. all right. there um It's a valuable bike kept stock. So he says ha- that it's two thirds present. However, if the alternative is not getting it on the road, just Get it on the road, however you can. Yeah. Can I um, jump in on this one? Yeah.
1: If it's two thirds there, uh, any parts, any other parts you take off and replace, save them. Yes. Don't cut or weld anything that can't be undone or replaced. Right. You can always go back. This can always be a bike and be restored, but have fun with it now.
0: But I got, I, you know, I'm thinking '71 is probably year one for that.
1: Ooh, might be, yeah. No, I know it's here so,
0: one for that.
2: But isn't the question if it's yeah. going to be a concourse bike? That's one thing. But if it's another, if it's a runaround bike that looks good, that's that's a so, different level. Isn't I, I it?
1: mean, the the question is: is this a uh, vintage racing bike no. or is this a tool around town bike?
0: Or I, is it a show bike potentially? I don't think the S twos didn't have a particular racing heritage. Um, you know, it's a quick little bike, but. I,
1: I think the answer is how much money and time you want to put into it is the answer. How much right. do you love it, but get it yeah. running. Yeah, just get, get it, it running. running however you can. Yeah.
0: I mean, you know, it's it's all very nice having concourse bikes, but you know, the, at the end of the day, if if you have an incomplete bike or a rusty bike, and you say, "Look, I want to turn it into a, want to turn it new mm. again," I mean, you're talking throwing a lot of money at it. Well,
1: and I'll right. also say, remember um, when we were at the Laguna Seca races and we saw Rob Talbot's bike, yes, which was a, a vintage BMW
0: resto mod.
1: It's a resto mod. Mm-hmm. He was putting bits and pieces from other bikes on it and made a very good-looking bike. Same as my Trident. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Nothing,
0: there is nothing stock about if you my Trident. Do
1: a good job, right? You're not going to devalue it. You know, I would
0: argue that Rob's BMW is far better looking than the stock BMW of that same age. Mm -hmm. I would argue that absolutely my Trident is far better looking than a stock 72 Trident. Go Bagel.
4: Yeah, and and if if the money in Kawasaki triples is in originality, this bike already has lost its original parts anyway. So. so... so just have fun with it and build it out to something that's, you know, that's fun. You put some expansion put blocks pipes on it. On it <laughs> or Put expansion pipes on it and some, you know, some, you know, updated carbs and, you yeah. know, and, and rip it around.
1: All right, Emma, we have time for one more. You have a question there. I'm going to beg of you not to make it a long answer. Okay, I'm going to read Cause it. Because Raymond's got a P. Oh, <laughs> oh I
0: got a P. <laughs> I this to is, a P. This is from Will. <laughs> Would you say it's Christman or Christman? It's uh, from Will. Just Will. Well. Good day, Miss Fitz. It's been a minute or two since I last wrote and wanted to ask what might be some stupid questions. I'm finally approaching a point where I consider replacing my trusty twenty thirteen Ninja six fifty okay. with ABS mm-hmm. with a larger sport touring machine. Yes. I want something with shaft drive. Okay. As I'd prefer to chew up miles without stopping to throw the ass end in the air every few hours. Very good recently ridden a BMW GS, BMW K, Yamaha FJR, Kawasaki Concourse, or even a Triumph Trophy, but all things being equal, I don't know which to choose. I'd prefer something with simple maintenance, which makes me lean towards the FJR. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of the iron butt rally finishers swear or used to buy the Mm -hmm. FJR, but I need a sanity check before I make this leap alternatively if there's a shaft driven touring bike from the last five years or so you think i should consider them all ears feel free to just tell me to buy a scott oiler and keep riding too um after i relocate from rural kentucky which is not where he grew up back to the land of the non-regional midwestern dialect i'll have to roll back out to santa cruz and make good on my offer of tacos and beer that i made in 2017 he says, "Damn, time flies. God, it does, doesn't it?" Will. In the meantime, it looks like Patreon stopped taking my money, so I need to fix that. Oh, Anything cool. you all need in care package? Fan- fancy batch small gin, Kentucky bourbon, <laughs> ten mil socket. <laughs> um Te- Tequila works. Will Chrisman oh. in Eastman, Kentucky. Thanks, um, Will. What a, he did? He mention a super Ray? No, that was going to be. Well, I he think said that, a sport tour. He super 10 is
1: not a sport tour
0: yes super 10 as much as i like them it's not a sport touring
1: bike
0: freaking fjr though it's a very complicated bike well con- the newer new
1: concourses um, are very nice
0: and they go to a lot of mileage um i just did a service on none other than um, misfit isaac's mm. concourse which is at a hundred thousand miles and it's an amazing bike
1: and then he didn't mention viffers did he
0: Eww. they're getting old now though yeah the past four years viffers a great bike I mean, yeah viffers right. a great G- bike God, they're brilliant incidentally thought about a motor Guzzi when they went i think as much as i like motor goosies i'm they're quirky Get a flying fortress, like the the Grizzo. I mean, that's headed
2: in that direction in terms of a sport tour.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I
1: I don't know. But he wants something easy to maintain, low maintenance. Seems to be the key.
0: What? Yeah, I
2: mean, they're better than a inline four.
1: Mm,
0: They're quirky. Low maintenance. Yeah, they're quirky. Um, And I think Phil would be the first to mention they're quirky. I think. And bear in mind, I love Guzzi's, mm-hmm. but you stand a lot more chance of getting a Japanese inline four up yeah. to 100,000 than That's a Motoguzi. True. Yeah, VIFAs. Do you know when a VIFA was new, it was the RF was considered competition for a VIFA. Mm. Wow. Same sort of sport touring sort of thing. Um, I think, God, I'm going to upset a lot of people. I think Concourse is probably a better bet than an FJR. Mm. It's it's they're both enormously complicated bikes, but I think in terms of maintenance, well, I think you're going to spend less on the concourse than you will on the FJR. See, as reliable as these things are, you, you, you're going to pay big money to maintain them, especially to do the valve clearances. Um I don't know. You know?
1: Well, he said shaft drive, so what about the BMWs? The
0: oh, Well, he mentioned those. Yeah. They are very expensive to maintain, though. Yeah, that's true. What about a Tracer? Yes. Tracer is
1: not a bad bike. It's one of those bikes that it's under the radar. And it, every now and then they show up, and I'm like, I keep forgetting about this bike.
0: Chain drive, though.
1: <clears> hmm. <throat> okay. All right, I'm going to throw out. I always like to throw out a Whammy. Yes. I'm going to throw out a whammy. Yes. It's not technically a tourer. Yes. But I think you could. Yes. A uh, oh, god. No.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. that's
1: my whammy. No. Dude, make those? I rode that thing and it was so comfortable and I felt so confident on that bike yeah. with that double front end. I really, hmm. I really surprisingly enjoyed it. I said I could... I could possibly own one of these one day. Do I you really enjoyed it. think
0: if you went to the pub and got <clears throat> drunk enough, you could walk <laughs> out in your Nike and your Nikon would have four front ends? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm just I'm throwing that out as a wild card. That's all. It's wild. Um, oh, no, man. I think I think really between the FJR, the Concourse, and the Viffer, I mean, those are like the they're,
0: big. They're much of the same thing. I think either um, it, it boils down to taste. Again, I will probably upset a lot of people. I think the Concourse is a better looking. Let's break.
1: throw out one more. What about Triumph?
2: They have a is it shaft? No, I think they're all chains. Yeah, oh, they're okay. all chain.
0: But anyway, yeah. So. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, Again, if you want to I, go
2: chain, you could also do a Ninja 1000. Yes, you could. Which is a fabulous bike. And cheap.
1: Well, if you're going to you know, just uh, I would rather it's see stupid. a Versus 1000. It's well, more comfortable for touring than a Ninja.
2: Yeah, but that's the argument, though. That's technically an adventure bike. Or but a V-Strom. Yeah. Stuck Those,
1: getting they're getting they're not adventure bikes. I know. Adv- I know. They're just a yeah. comfortable riding position. That's it. Right. That's it. But if
2: you want something that looks a little more sporty, a,
1: a, a ninja would be the way to go. I'm going to stick with a nicken. <laughs> Good choice. There you go.
0: <laughs> Three wheels are better than two.
1: All right. Um. So I think I so I mentioned that our guest uh, Chris Hopper had to postpone. Yeah, that's a shame.
0: But we'll talk to him next time.
1: Yeah. So we're still going to do it because for all the naysayers out there who didn't believe, did you hear what Chris did? No. Not oh, even, no. I, here. I I mentioned it last week. Bagel. Um, he recently rode a hundred thousand miles in one hundred oh, right. days. Wow! And a lot nice. of people said it's not possible. Mm. And Harley Davidson, because he rode a Harley. Mm-hmm. Harley Davidson just uh, officially recognized him and his uh, his uh, his t- a feat mm. yesterday. Nice. So <laughs> very um, cool. <clears throat> for the naysayers oh. out there, there's uh, it's 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 official. But yes. there's still a lot of questions. That's why I have all these questions. Well, How yes. did you do it?
4: All, all I'm going to say is where there's a will, there's a way.
1: Though I can tell you, and somebody um
0: wrote why? to us
1: to let us know just prior to that, he did a, <laughs> another Iron Butt Rally. He's a long hauler. Hey, so. He's a, he's a long distance rider.
0: So, I mean, mm-hmm. it was kind of pitched last week that this was his first long distance <laughs> ride, but it's not, is it? I mean, he's not already no. very experienced he's, in no, no, techniques. He's known no, in no, the no, no. community.
1: No, no, no Um, in fact, uh, our friend Chris said, I wanted to be sure you're aware that a few weeks before he started his insane ride, he did a 12,000 miles in 11 days during the iron butt rally and came in 24th out of 75 people, uh, out of 75 starters and 61 finishers. So, um, so he's a long distance rider. So yeah, 12,000 miles in 11 days. And then. Can you imagine? But yeah, but there's you know there's this
0: huge difference between eleven days and three frigging months. I think once you get into
1: the routine, I don't know. Um, one thing I know for sure, I am not gonna invite him to the Numb Nuts challenge. <laughs> oh, no. If he shows up, yeah, I'm going to say, a, yeah. I think we're all, gonna we're all going to agree. Up. We're all going to agree. You can just take the money now, so save we're us all some pain. Worthy. Save we're us not, the worthy. pain.
4: Bagel,
2: your nuts are pretty numb too, though.
4: <laughs> well, yes, but that's that's above and beyond. I got all a right. fire taint, not
2: Numb Nuts. Um.
1: <laughs> okay. I may <laughs> edit that part out. Or not. <laughs> <On that
2: note.
1: laughs> um, so... Uh, we're to the end. Thank you, Emma, for running the garage. Oh, you're very for welcome. Me. I had a great, great trip. So I'm.
0: I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed your te- trip, and I'm always nice. happy to run the garage in your absence.
1: I appreciate it, um, but also thanks to all of our listeners, our Patreon subscribers, and also people have sent us some gear for the gear room. I'm coming coming up with <clears throat> a new idea for the gear. I think I may put a call out to. Are like flyers to the schools, like for students, new riders, come on mm-hmm. down. That's a good idea. Right. right.
6: Yeah. Very I cool. I mean, they,
1: like, I know Micah and Isaac, they tell people who need gear, but I'm thinking of just like doing a one day free sale. <clears throat>
6: hmm. Yeah.
1: And promote it heavily. Come on down and yep. let us put you in some gear. That way we can take clear new out riders. Our <clears throat> well, not just clear them out, but take them in and say, like, what gear do you have? What kind of riding do you do? Are you prepared for rain? Are you prepared yeah, for mm-hmm. this? you know and yeah. and see what we can complement their existing suit exactly. with because for all of us experienced riders we have many well except for Emma she just does the same thing <laughs> and i don't know how you're not any 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 type of weather you We're wearing the same gear but for most of us we've got hot weather gear <laughs> cold weather gear yep. rain gear yep. you know um and so you can you don't need just one set. You need a lot. So right. that's what I'm working on. So thank you to all the people sending us a gear. Um, and especially mm-hmm. thanks to everyone who emails us with all this stuff. We appreciate it. Keep them coming. Send it to recycle motorcycle garage at gmail.com. And don't forget if you want to sign up for one of our trips, go to a different agenda.com. And lastly, final plug, RevSisters.com. Get your free pass. It's, it's online. So you can view it on YouTube. And this one is featuring women writers and women filmmakers. So there's some really cool stuff. And that's there. going on right now. Mm-hmm. Right now. It's worth it. Bagel, you should go register just to watch uh Steph Jevons and yeah, going to Antarctica. Go so you can see how she did it. It's pretty crazy. Or you can just that go back like to the it. episode. We interviewed her when she
0: talked about that. Um, anything else we got to mention? I think that's it for now. Um, yeah, it's, um, uh, been a busy week at Mototown I'm continuing to get busy. Yeah, I can't wait to see what you uh,
1: pull up uh, with in the back of your truck next. I'll bring something nice down. Oh, next week. okay, we got a treat. And of <laughs> course, uh, <laughs> come come on over and visit us. Yep, we like visitors. So there you go. Thanks, everyone. I think we're ready to get out of here. This is Liza, Stumpy John, Emma Darling,
4: Ray Ray, mm, Bagel. <laughs>
1: And we are out of here.
4: Cool,
6: cool, cool. cool. cool.